0: and welcome back to another next lander podcast what a show today brad shoemaker how are you
1: i'm doing better than shang Tsung is doing
0: fantastic i I'm guess i guess alex navarro where are you on the shang Tsung
2: meter kind of depends you... on which Shang Tsung we're talking about because there are several hair. to choose from and some are doing oh. better than others.
0: On the uh, Shang Tsung to Quan Chi
2: meter, the, are you doing?
1: the Shang Tsungiverse.
2: Uh, well, let's see. On the Quan Chi hair meter, I uh-huh. think I'm closer to him, but okay. on the how am I doing scale, I'd say I'm maybe in the ballpark of where main timeline Shang Tsung is. Okay, well. It's a great
0: segue. Thank you very much, Alex. Let me. That's what I'm here for. Connect with that. We are going to be talking about Mortal Kombat One and Mortal Kombat One spoilers. So um, we'll be talking about that first. Hopefully, before our first break, which will keep most of the markers in place. If you're looking to skip that spoiler, but we are going to go deep into the story spoilers for Mortal Kombat One. I say it one more time. We're going to be talking about the story from Mortal Kombat 1. We're going to do it. it we're going to do it, which I'm excited to do. Yeah. Uh, after that, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about some other video games, including
1: uh, Brad Saw Alan Wake 2. Saw played? That's right. Saw played. I, played. I played like two hours Alan Wake 2.
0: So if you want to skip the Mortal Kombat stuff, come back for the Alan Wake 2. Come for the Mortal Kombat 1. Stick around for the Alan Wake 2. I'll, I'll just say it up front. The game looks kind of wild. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Well, then about. you want to stick around hear about that and we'll have a bunch more stuff too after the break and then the news as always but first anything else going on before we get into Mortal Kombat Do you guys just want to jump
2: right in I just finished that mode last night and I'm definitely like just <laughs> you're hot ready to sink my claws into this thing
1: you're hot I finished it on I think Thursday nights and it's a testament to the number of games we touched it feels like it was a month ago it's like I've kind of I've forgotten about it at this point but should we get in?
0: Should Let's we d- do it. dive yeah, in? sure. Let's do uh, it. All right. The Mortal Kombat 1 uh, spoilers uh, beginneth here. Let me mark them down on my notes so I have it. Um. All right. We've so we've all, all fin- completed this. We've all finished it. We've all, yeah. I finished it last week. You guys might have to walk me through some of the finer details, but I am absolutely relying on you to walk me through the granular weird winks and nods for stuff that you guys know about that I completely missed.
1: I, so, the like, the references I picked up on are, he says, Deadly Alliance at one point. <laughs> a Do couple Do they of say times. Armageddon? Do they say the words Deception and Armageddon? Yeah, like they, they say both deception. of those. Deception. Okay. And Deadly Alliance. Okay. okay. Like, this game really is kind of like a love letter to the, what I consider <laughs> the Lost Portal Combat games. No offense to people who like them, but, like, the 5 through 7 era on the PS2 and stuff. Like, I just didn't really play those games a lot, and this... Very much in the same way that 11 was very much a tribute to the first three games. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, I mean, there's some four in here as well, I guess like this one very much feels like a tribute to the games that came after that. Yes. Uh, Which really just feels like if you look at the whole arc of the Mortal Kombat franchise, that it's just repeatedly folding in on itself. Yes. Because we had the first three games, then we had the next four games and MKDC is its own thing. Then they rebooted the first three games. Then they rebooted the first three games again. <laughs> yes. Now they are rebooting the these next four games again.
2: It is simultaneously folding in on itself and tearing itself apart and breaking into many different pieces because they just can't quite settle on exactly what level of reboot mm-hmm. they want this to be.
0: So, Brad, can you take us through um, the end? Since you just played the end of 11 to 1, where are we exactly when one starts?
1: Well, so actually funny Eons. thing. I, I, I played some Mortal Kombat, the ninth one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also some Mortal Kombat X over the weekend. Okay. okay. Just cause like I, I played through 11 and aftermath, like I said, and then I played through one right after that. And I was like, I want to go back and see these other cinematic story modes they did and like compare and see how it's evolved. It's weird because on, like, a format level, they are exactly the same. Like, even 9, the first one they did this real big cinematic story mode with, everything about the editing, the way it transitions in and out of fights, like, the names of the chapters appearing as titles on the screen, it all feels identical. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, 9 is, like, impossible to go back to. It looks terrible by okay. comparison. I mean, it was a different time. It was okay. a 360 game, wasn't it? It was a 360. Yeah. Game. Like, the, the, actual the in-game stuff isn't so bad. It's really the CG. Yeah. The the between fight stuff. 10 also or X, whatever you want to call it, like obviously has aged better, but also looks pretty rough. Like mm. it really made me realize the leap between X and 11 in terms of production values oh, and yeah. CG quality and all that stuff was fucking mm. massive. And Very I had forgotten about gap. that. And then obviously one is even better looking than that mm-hmm. by kind of a lot. Um. Sorry, what was the original question? So the original question was basically set up one sorry from that,
0: the perspective of a. Sorry, that,
1: sorry. The reason I brought up nine is that nine is in and of itself a reboot. Yeah, like mm-hmm. nine it's the first rebooted. Reboot. Nine rebooted. Like nine goes through the stories of one through three, but in a self-aware way, where like some of the characters know that they're repeating things. Right. Some of them know, like, hey, this has happened before, but now things are different. Like Raiden knows that it has to play out differently in order to not end the world or whatever. So then they kind of get right back around to that same thing in 11. So uh, it's yet another reboot. And then by the end of 11, Liu Kang has become Raiden and become a god and then become the keeper of time. Uh, and then by the end of 11 aftermath, Shang Tsung also has kind of freed himself from his other worldly bonds. Kind of also is vying for the same power, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'll just say the the end of Aftermath ends with a choice. Like, you kind of follow Shang Tsung through <laughs> Aftermath as he tries to rewrite the events of Eleven. And then it's a clash between him and Liu Kang at the end in front of the hourglass. And you actually pick who you want to play in that last fight and win with. And then there are two endings. Okay. So, easily the best part of this game to me was the idea that both of those endings took place? Both of those endings happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, Schrodinger's Mortal was, combat in- ending,
1: and that was that was way more potent for me because I had just played through Aftermath like days before I got to the ending of this, and also Alex, like you brought it up on Friday when we were streaming this, and like the 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 Titan Lady shows up to tempt Shang Tsung in the intro, and you were like, well oh, it's Chronica, right?" And I had to like bite my tongue. I'm like, "No, it's definitely not." Yeah, it's not. It's like it's. I did not see that coming at all. I should
2: have. In the like, end, like I really feel like they, they, they should not have been able to put that one over on me because if I had just remembered a little bit more about what happened in Aftermath, I think I would have put the pieces together.
1: I mean, like, I, th- I think on one level you could look at that twist and say, like, so the twist is that the who you think is a Titan, like Kronika's sister or Chronic herself or whatever, who is tempting these characters in the story into going against Liu Kang, Turns out to actually be the Shang Tsung from the end of Eleven, from yes. the end of Aftermath. What's her name? Damashi uh, or Damashi uh, is who they yeah. say the name is of the of the Titan lady who looks like Chronica. Which is um,
2: I, kind of a weird thing because when they say it, they're like, "Who the hell is that?" And then immediately they're like, "Oh, actually, that's just Shang Tsung." By right. the way, yeah, just in just case you're wondering,
1: it's a little bit of a weird the way the way that it's presented is a little strange. But yeah. The thing I was going to say is like, I think on one level you could look at that reveal that like, oh, it was actually the original Shang Tsung behind it the whole time. And say like, oh, that's kind of like a lazy or obvious twist. On the other hand, it feels extremely consistent with who they have now built Shang Tsung up to be mm-hmm. as this like unoutsmartable trickster mm-hmm. god kind of guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> like very Loki.
2: Yeah, he's very yes. Loki. Okay,
1: so so a lot of this for me is going to be colored by the fact that I don't follow modern Marvel, and so actually maybe more of this is lifted from that than I realize. Definitely the multiverse stuff I know.
2: Well, but, and the whole ending of this game I'm going to tell you right now feels like. They at some point decided Mortal Kombat needs to have its Avengers Endgame moment. Sure. And so we're doing that come hell or high water.
1: So I, I think that's definitely part of it. Like, I straight people were straight up finding like Ed Boon tweets where he like very strongly praised the end of Endgame as yeah. like being amazing. So I'm sure that's part of it. I think the end of this also calls back to Armageddon, though. Because isn't like a giant fight on a pyramid with everybody like the yeah. end of Armageddon?
2: I couldn't tell you because that's not a game that I spent a great deal amount of time playing. And I think if you want to talk to much of the Mortal Kombat fan base, I think that might be a familiar refrain. Because those PS2 game era games, some of them are fine, but I can't tell you anything that happened in them because they're just not that memorable. <laughs>
0: Is that where that's where nine starts, right? Is that where nine starts on the pyramid and then yes, the yes, I believe breaks? that's right. Okay, I think that's right. That's what I that's what I thought. I didn't play Armageddon, but I remember being like, I don't know what the hell is going on here, but where everybody's dying on this pyramid, and that's where the amulet shatters or whatever, right? The mm-hmm. and yes, um, I I didn't mind the the reveal. I thought it was a little because I wasn't sure. There were so many characters in this game I had not known about because they're all from, they're from Mortal Kombat games I wasn't familiar yeah. with. I thought Damashi or Fake Chronica was just another character from another game that I didn't uh, recognize. You know, like oh, this looks a lot like Chronica, but look, all the ninjas look the same too. So like mm-hmm. maybe I'm just maybe I just don't know. And then when it was revealed it was Shang Sun and then when it started in the last. Uh, let's say 30% of the game where it just puts the pedal down into the multiverse stuff and yeah. it's like it that to me is when I think things felt a little bit vanilla which is weird to say about
2: Mortal Kombat because it, a it really feels like a really bland ending. Yeah,
0: well, it feels like it's going... It feels like it should be going off the rails. It is very firmly on the rails of 2023 cinematics, stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so so that, that again, I think is probably a place where it didn't bother me as much, because um, I'm not already marinating in that stuff constantly. I, I totally agree with Alex. Like, I guess we'll get there, but, like, the very ending ending, like, the last, like, five minutes of the game, like, barely feels like an ending. Like, it feel, felt like it just ended. It didn't have an ending, but, like most of everything from the Shang Tsung reveal up to the last shit on top of the pyramid. I was like a thousand percent on board with like, Mm -hmm. that was the point I was by far the most excited about this game. Um, you know, like when all the, when all the other versions of the characters start showing up from the other universes, you know, and then it's like, Oh, that's the Katana from the last game who is in love with Liu Kang. And mm -hmm. then this is the Raiden, you know, and they finally kiss. And my girlfriend was very excited about that. Um, (laughs) But you know what I mean? It was like it was like, okay, here are all the other the characters from the old games here to kind of like play off of their new era counterparts.
0: Okay. Well, let me pause you there for a second, because not to get too in the like Mortal Kombat lore weeds, which I'm not sure
2: the lore is supposed are, to make sense. We are in the Mortal Kombat lore, Amazon, and have okay. been for
1: some time. Yes. So I, I've got I've got this narrative machete over here, I'm ready to hack away. <laughs> okay, so go.
0: help me out here for a second. When he goes, when Liu Kang decides to a reintegrate with the power, the Time Lord powers, the Titan powers, or whatever he was, the Timekeeper powers he had given up, and Garis had stored away in his secret compartment inside in the tower.
2: jaguar because where <laughs> yeah. else would you keep it
0: yeah so when he reintegrates with that they don't really explore anything about the setup garris gives him which is like you won't be able to come back and be earth defender anymore they kind of just leave that out there
1: so here is something else you may be interested in perhaps annoyed to hear is that the arcade mode or the tower mode yeah which is just the classic like play through a mortal combat like yeah, challenge yeah. tower yeah those all have character endings and they are all like canonically extending the yes. story. Like, I
0: mentioned that I on know, the podcast. Oh, did you, I, I did a did couple you, of them
1: where it's just okay. like,
0: oh, after the events, you know, this person went back and was like,
1: okay. so oh so really? Okay. Did you do Luke Hangs or watch now, it? Because his address is that.
0: I did the vampire ladies and I did scorpions. Okay. Okay.
1: So, um, scorpion I mean,
0: starts I, up. This is probably, probably new. Okay. He,
2: one thing I have to I have to hammer them on here a little bit is that the rival ninja clan to yeah. all just being Lin Kuei and then splitting off. They're doing it. First of all, Chinese ninja is already kind of a weird thing.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, so, the,
2: they literally like they give the new ja- the new ninja clan a Japanese name.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, so the the Shirai Ryu has always been the name going yeah. all the way back. But, like, but that's I my mean, point. But, but he's also, now a
2: Chinese person.
1: Sure. Well, it's A. Yeah, so, also, it pains me to say Ryu. Like, I can't yeah. believe they're sticking with that pronunciation. Yeah. But also, this franchise is so damn chee- <laughs> cheesy and, like, earnest about its cheesiness that I kind of get it. Wait. Oh, I um, didn't. I don't well, think I so, noticed
0: that, but didn't they say they named it after his girlfriend or, or the woman who he starts it with? Is she Japanese? I don't
1: um, remember them yes. ma- having a line about well, that, but maybe they do. I, I don't know if I got into it last week. I, I think I kind of avoided talking about it, but yeah, like, I mean, Scorpion himself is a different person in this. He's Kui Liang, who Kui Liang is the second Sub-Zero from the original games. Yes. Basically, like the real quick, at the end of MK1, Scorpion killed the original Bihan, the original Sub-Zero.
0: The guy with the Scar. He's the guy with the Scar. Yes. The good Sub-Zero.
1: Yes. So Bihan came back from another realm as Noob (sighs) Cybot. And his his younger brother Kwai Lang became the new Sub Zero, who's actually not as big like beyond as a giant asshole mm-hmm. in all timelines. And kwai Lang is Liang is not. But that was the weird thing is that um, oh my god, why am I blanking on Scorpion's original name? Who is Japanese? I'm sure. Yes. Uh, god, why he's, is he's this?
2: part of a Japanese ninja clan? And the whole point is that it's, the, it's the rival ninja clans.
1: I think it's Hanzo Hasashi, right? I believe yeah. is as and, and so. I think the, I I haven't seen his ending, but I think there's a reference to Scorpion's original wife in there, right?
0: Oh, is that who that is? So there's yes, they reference somebody, and I didn't know who it was because I thought it was a character I just didn't know, and they, I thought Alex. They do say that in honor of her. They they name it the 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 clan after her. Okay, I think in
2: the main ending they don't elaborate on why it's called that that might have been something that was in scorpion's I'm, tower ending
0: i think it's in scorpion's tower ending. okay yeah, yeah
2: because in the moment it's very much just like nope he called it the shir- Shirai ryu <laughs> yes there it's you go in his,
0: it's in his like postcard ending what they do with this the postcard scenes in and the l-
2: let me be clear none of the nationality stuff really <laughs> makes much difference in this universe at all other than the fact that it is a chinese ninja clan and in a japanese <laughs> ninja clan that were originally rivals it At this point, like the like nationality and the world might not even like are there countries in this world anymore like it just seems like it's earth realm, and it's just okay, it's earth mm. well,
0: okay, so my question was mm-hmm. and thank you brad for for kind of um filling me in, so they do go into more of what happens to Luke kang and his and his
1: yeah, so yeah, his so what happens? But what what happens is he loses his immortality by taking those by taking those time powers back on. He for whatever reason is no longer immortal. Oh, uh, why? Oh, wait. I thought he was Chronica going. Was. I, I thought it, he was going the other way. It's not was, explained why. Okay. It's just all he says. Just like he's just like, Gyrus was right. I, you know, I was irreparably altered. I have lost my immortality. But it's also like kind of a distinction without a difference because he flat out says like. Like He basically is like, don't worry, my lifespan will still span eons, but I will die eventually. It's like, okay, so you're still going to live for billions of years or something? What's the deal? <sighs>
2: that is but such it, a, like, I'm trying to screen my right my way into eventually making this a conflict at some point, but we don't need it right now.
1: The Well, so actually I think the real purpose there is to just revert Liu Kang to his original state because he flat out just says, like, it does mean I'll have to think of a successor and I know the perfect person. It's Geras. Like, he's steadfast and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, Gyrus becomes the new Keeper of Time, and that basically just lets them say, like, alright, Luke Kang's mortal again, he's just Luke Kang again now. Like, it was a little like, weird. Does he still have
2: the glowy eyes?
1: Um, I don't know. Is I he still doing Raiden shit? I have a video in front of me, I can actually tell you. Uh, yes, he does well, but this is all just, like, still illustrations for these yeah, endings, yeah. so it's hard to say. But let's, um,
2: I mean, let, let's talk about what actually happens here, because my main thing with this story mode is that I think the first half is really good. Like the first eight or nine chapters are really excellent because they do a good job of setting up a lot of interesting potential stuff here with, you know, the earth realm outworld stuff, everything going on with this mysterious benefactor. Uh, You know, there's some good dynamic between Quan Chi and Shang Tsung as, you know, the sort of evil pawns and all this stuff. And then when I think it starts getting around, to explaining itself and unveiling things and sort of, like, launching you into what is effectively the end game, I feel like it kind of beefs it. And the, <laughs> when I say beefs it, I mean they don't make good on a lot of stuff they set up with the other characters that are not, like, Liu Kang, Giras, uh, and Shang Tsung and his, like, immediate people. Like... Johnny Cage just becomes a total background character. Kenshi becomes a total background character. Kung Lao, Raiden, all of them kind of just fall totally into the background. All the villains, their various motivations beyond the, you know, takeover, outworld, whatever, what have you, become completely irrelevant as soon as Shang Tsung unveils himself and just says, yeah, haha, it was me, you're all pawns, fuck you. Mm -hmm. And, like, I can live with that to a certain degree if what you do after that Pays off in a way that is exciting and makes the other stuff not matter as much, and they don't do it. Is the problem that I have is that once they get to the last chapter or two, where it's like Melina, and then it's like the Luke Hang, and then it's the uh, you know it's the cavalcade of uh, genetic mistakes. Yeah, we got to uh, talk
1: about chapter fifteen eventually, but yes. yeah,
2: that whole thing, that whole stretch, feels like. Just, they are rushing you through to wherever they want to end this, and where they end it is not satisfying at all.
1: Yeah, I I don't really disagree with any of that. Well, I I think the first half of the game is pretty uneven, but the rest of what you said I'm mostly with. Um, I mean, I am sympathetic to just the sheer size of this cast. Like, you could never involve everybody meaningfully in the end, because there's God. What are there? I mean, I think it's like. Between playable characters and other characters who are not playable but still factor in the story, there must be like 30 characters, and then they bring a bunch of alternate versions of them into the story. Yeah. (laughs) it's insane. Like, you'd never be able to address the fate of everyone or make them all feel like they're involved. But But that's
2: the thing, is that I think they leave a few too many just completely unimportant to what's going on and yeah. I think the ones they do make important they don't find a way to make the payoff for their stories interesting
1: like it, it definitely did feel like um you know like like Kenshi Raiden Johnny Cage are all pretty big characters yeah. early on it kind of it definitely felt more like the game's attitude was like well they have their time in the story now we're gonna do other stuff and not like hey they were important and so we're gonna bring them back around and like give them a conclusion um also- like there's a weird there's a weird amount of time spent on this Sendel versus Sendel fight, which I'm not quite sure. In fact, there's a weird amount of time spent on the whole Ermac being a bunch of souls and then having Jared, the, the deceased king, like become Ermac. And Melina gets to meet her father again in weird zombie corpse form.
0: And never and then, turns back to Ermac. Like kinda I thought then, I was waiting yeah. for the like to, and then, for Jared to kind of recede back into the mess of souls. Yeah.
1: So. And then there's this long fight with evil Sindel from the previous timeline where good Sindel ends up dying and then she merges with Ermac. and like that that whole that whole little subplot feels like a lot of time to spend on that that but it didn't For a quite... lot of
2: messiness that doesn't really mean a whole lot in yeah, the grand like, scheme it, of things. Uh,
1: it didn't it didn't super factor into the larger story that much.
2: Like the thing they're always hammering on with the Outworld stuff is that, you know, Melina is the rightful successor to Sindel once once Sindel, you know, loses power or dies. Um, but she has the Tarcot disease. And that's another thing that they just leave hanging, which is to say that they keep giving her the serum. They have the serum seemingly every time they need it, which is great <laughs> for them but like the okay well now that Sindel's dead she's gonna ascend but what are they gonna do about her Tarcot disease nope just gonna forget about it we gotta get to this fucking time pyramid right now
1: yeah you know like Baraka is also Baraka and Reptile also both kind of just exit the story at a certain point yeah which Um, is
2: disappointing because I think this Reptile is the most interesting Reptile mm -hmm. they've done and I think what they do with Baraka in his setup and the stuff with the Tarcot could be really interesting if you elaborate on it and find a way to tie that into everything and they don't
1: yeah, well, I think they're just leaving themselves a bunch of sequel hooks. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how these games have gone since nine is like they are just leaving a bunch of dangling threads they can pull on later. But the uh, thing like I like I like I really I, I quite liked the Sub-Zero versus Scorpion chapter. Like, yes. I thought that was some pretty good tension. I think but that's then, the
2: last great chapter of it.
1: Uh, but then Sub-Zero just vanishes from the story after that. Yeah. right? I don't think he ever shows up again. But again, that's another thing where it's like, OK, well. Now the Linque are evil. Now, like they'll, that's yet another thing for them to to pick up
2: yeah. next game. They name drop uh, drop Cyrax and Sektor and say they're his loyal lieutenants. So you know they're it's, uh, seemingly by the next game they will be cyborgs for one reason
1: or another. And, I think there are hints of that in in his ending, even yeah, uh, tower ending. But this is like the thing you said about the sequel hooks and all that.
2: I don't mind leaving sequel hooks like in the end, the end, 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 post credits end that they show is definitely a hook for some kind for like where they're probably gonna go with the
1: sequel. Is that is that is that the bit of like weird is is that Kotal Havoc? Is that what that is? It's Havoc, but is that in Havan I think in it's Havoc Khan? in
2: charge of a Chaos Realm. Like Havoc right. as the lord of Chaos Realm.
1: Okay. It, I mean also it looks like he's wearing the Kotal Khan armor because like Quan Chi Sub Zero and Tanya <laughs> Katana are behind him, mm-hmm. so he's definitely a mashup, but Havoc is such a weird character to focus on as somebody who has zero connection to those games to me.
2: It's a weird character to focus on. His setup in the story is barely there other than that one bit with Quan Chi where he's you know doing the soul taker thing and he says, "I got to help him because I'm I want to kill fucking Order Realm. I want to take it over. I want to liberate it." And mm-hmm. and then he just kind of shuts the fuck up for most of the game after that. But the sequel hooks in 11. The sequel hook in 11, which was the whole story of 11, which was the reboot, the slate clean, the whole new thing they could be doing. That was great. I was excited about that. I didn't leave that game feeling like, okay, I wish I had seen how this other stuff paid off, because everything in that game's story fed directly into this big new direction that they were headed in. I was like, I'm satisfied where all this stuff went. I love where most of the character directions were going. I love that the slate is clean. Let's see where it goes. I came out of this one feeling like I wish they had done something different.
0: I... I, I I agree with you. I give them a slight benefit of the doubt just because it's the first one. It's a launching. It's the springboard foundational thing for the, where they have to go. But having kind of gone down this path already, I yeah. also felt like we kind of did this already. You got to give me a little bit more uh, since we already did this whole reboot and it was done well. And that's
2: that's where I get hung up is that they have done this before and they have done done things and done it well. They did it like what it obviously didn't reboot it every single time. But like the story they told over the last trilogy, which involved, you know, multiple resets and, and various things all felt pretty coherent in the grand scheme of things, despite the fact that it is goes some pretty buck wild places. This just feels like they run out of steam like they they throw in too many MacGuffins. There's the fucking dragon army. There's this mystical crown. There's the fucking jade jaguar with the time powers in it. There's the mystical hourglass. I, there are like five MacGuffins <laughs> they throw in the span of about four chapters.
1: My my favorite thing that they keep escalating over time is the number of scenes where multiple characters are shooting different <laughs> color, <Yeah>. multicolored <laughs> beams out of their hands at a thing. At a thing, yes. Like, I think, I'm trying to find it, I think... I think it finally culminates in a scene where like six different characters are all shooting their color of energy at yes. a thing at the same like, time. At the trying to either Trying to either destroy it or save it at the same
0: time. So, <laughs> it's fucking so where, crazy. Where this goes eventually, and this is what was going to be the kind of follow up to my Liu Kang question, was mm-hmm. they realize that there are multiple timelines, infinite timelines at this point, not just Liu Kang's rebooted timeline that he was in charge of. And so they go and they recruit the time. In these multiple timelines there's a timekeeper.
1: Yeah, that is I basically
0: think, the main character they're recruiting from each timeline, I, but they don't have I glowy bl- eyes.
1: I believe I believe the multiverse stuff at the end that happens or toward the end, I believe every character that steps out of a different timeline to join them is the titan of that timeline. They should have given them all glowy eyes. If I'm not mistaken, that that would have been pretty good.
0: Cuz it was cuz at some point it's like I want all the glowy eyes fighting all the glowy eyes. I
1: well now actually remember though Liu Kang has glowy eyes because he became Raiden or because Raiden merged himself with Raiden. Right. Liu Kang, they're not so all necessarily
0: are, demigods. Yeah, so those oh, th- those I are see.
1: actually Raiden's electric eyes. Oh I, I see those it.
0: are particular to him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then how the how these other characters also became keepers of time, who knows?
2: Well the uh, thing they say is that, you know, when the thing was torn asunder, you know, they're it could, it could have been not just Liu Kang and Shang Tsung in that final battle. There were an yeah. exponential number of possibilities <laughs> of who could be the person that was in that fight, depending on choices that were made, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's time bullshit. Like, you just kind of have to ch- write it off to that. So
0: so they kick the door open for time bullshit yeah. and mul- and multiverse bullshit, which to me just feels like they spill the Mortal Kombat all over the floor. And then Totally.
2: I, and I, I get a little lost. Kind of and the thing is, like, they... I think I would have been more amenable to what they were doing if the final confrontations felt like there is a real, like, like there's real stakes, there's a real power. Like, if I'm really fighting my ass through these things, you know, these, these various versions of other characters where it's yeah. like Sonya Blade with Kano's eye and fucking- Dude, I have- I mean, we got a Lizard like fucking 15. Garris and all that shit. <laughs> like- But my point is that, like, that fight is boring. The uh, whole presentation of it and everything that, like, once you get over the novelty of, okay, here's your new remix character, here's your new remix character, and a couple of cameos that I think are pretty funny, like the part where you just, the the combat kids show up for five seconds and then just get murked immediately.
1: Dude, that was incredible. That was
2: great. I will give them (laughs) that. But the actual fights, they're one round each, and it just keeps going, and it's just not fun.
1: I I mean, I think the, the novelty of all the mashup characters absolutely carries that run up the pyramid. Like, the, what happens at the top is a complete whiff. There's, yes. like, an, almost no conclusion to it. None. But the I reason mean, there's a trophy yeah. for playing through Chapter 15 twice is because they made a shitload of these mashup characters. Yeah. And you get different ones every time. Like, uh, I went on YouTube, and, like, I still am seeing ones I've never seen before. I don't know how many they made, but, like... <laughs> I mean... They have a scorpion kung lao mashup named Stung Lao. Yep, I saw that one. <laughs> like you fight ninja mime at one point, you know. Like yeah. the the Sonia Kano mashup is like the best thing in there. Like it's so ridiculous.
0: I, I enjoyed like, I enjoyed seeing those. I thought they were very 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 silly. I
2: I um. It was, was a final confrontation.
0: I, well, the, no. The, well, if the, if, the, if they hadn't if they hadn't messed up the climax, I think it would yeah. have been a fun run up. And the, I was glad they just did one round each, and you're just kind of going yeah, through those
1: things. I, I think it's better that you're just rapid fire yeah. going through like stupid character after stupid character. Like that whole thing, I was just like kind of dying laughing. But then they
2: just do that for but Shang Tsung too.
1: But the, the problem is at the top, the the fight at the top is like completely boilerplate, and and there's yeah. kind of hardly an ending.
2: Like, I found that chronica fight to be frustrating and annoying, but at least it felt like a final boss fight, you know? Like, yes. it felt like a real conclusion to that that whole conflict, whereas this is UV Changsung, game over. That's it.
1: Like, like what, do, what do they do with him? Do they knock him in the pit, or...? They don't do remember. any, like, so... Oh, no, he, that's that's right, actually. they All that happens is they beat him and Quan Chi, and Liu Kang just uses his time magic to, like evaporate then. them into into like sands of time and that's it like i was like man that's that's it so that's who
2: did it? you play as in that final confrontation
1: <laughs> I, I i played as Liu kang because i didn't realize so I, did I was I. actually going to be taking control of a different that's exactly
0: that's exactly yeah. what line. i thought i was like oh Liu kang is the canonical hero yeah. in these stories i'm gonna play my first one as Liu kang and then you play
1: as some bootleg Liu kang it's, yeah it's <laughs> kind of funny i can't remember if they address that or not when they get to the top do they they, well, it's really, or really they just call each other Luke Hang without even, like, calling out that they're both the same person? So It, it really feels like, sh- dial a, dial a comp, like dialogue tree at that yeah, point.
2: Yeah, because the thing is, they let you choose from any of the playable characters that are unlocked. And so yeah, which, you can go in and do it with with whatever character you want. I picked Geras because <laughs> I was like, okay, I kind of want to see that dynamic as you're going along. And, you know, it seems like the dialogue changes a little bit to shift with, you know, whatever it is you're doing as you're going up the tower. But so the thing that was really wild to me was like, okay, at the end, once you get rid of Shang Tsung and evil Quan Chi and all that, and they suck the fucking time sand out of them, the universe that they're in, the timeline that you're in is supposed to start collapsing. And the way it ends, at least in the one that I saw, was that, you know, it's like Liu Kang thanks Giris and says, I hope to see you again one day. Yeah. And then it just cuts to that scene in the restaurant.
1: That's kind of what it does with Liu Kang as well. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's the same for everybody. So
2: why wouldn't he go see Garrus again? What is what happened there that makes it so it is impossible for him to maybe see him again, considering it seems like Liu Kang just shows up back in Earth Realm and everything's fine. It's other timeline.
1: Can I can I ask a question here? This is again revealing my Marvel ignorance. (laughs) Yeah. Is is that scene in the restaurant here? Is that your like shawarma scene? Oh, interesting.
2: It's like I wanna say it definitely could be, but it doesn't play out quite the same way as the, the shawarma scene, which is mostly just them sitting in silence in a ruined restaurant after a big battle. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they, they set up the stuff with Madame Bo in the restaurant in the beginning of the game, so it's not totally surprising they end up there. I just don't understand, like, what was the actual threat at the end when the universe started collapsing? Like, what was Liu Kang worried about? It seemed like they just teleported out of there and it's like, cool, we're good. And then the Havoc people show up in that same universe, which is still there.
1: I don't, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know.
0: I thought maybe everybody had to get back into their own timelines. Like the fabric of the timelines was pulling apart. But maybe. I don't know. They don't explain it. That's just
1: me. Yeah. Um, I,
2: there's I mean, also a I mean, lot of dead bodies on the ground. Yeah. There's well, like yes.
1: all all the corpses are still there on the pyramids. So
2: and a little bit with Jacks, I will say is is
1: well brutal. That was that was pretty rough <laughs> for sure. Um, I I other than the actual conclusion of chapter 15 being a non-event. I thought fact 15 was really clever. Mm -hmm. Like I I had, I had a good time playing process of elimination as I played through, I played through the last like six chapters in one sitting and every one chapter closer to the ending. It's like, all right, that character's down. Who's going to be next? Who's going to be the last character? Like, like who's going to be in the last game. It was Liu Kang. Like who's Mm going to be the, who's the big, you know, in aftermath, they got around that by letting you pick. And, and this one I was like, okay. And then Liu Kang turns out to be 14 and you're like, all right, well he's the God. And you just, (laughs) Burned him on the second to last chapter. What the hell are you going to do now? And then they just let you play anybody. I was like, all right, okay, that's, that's at least a different idea than you've done before. Yeah. And then like, you know, all the mashup characters are ridiculous and fun. Um, I like that last chapter right up until they do nothing with it. Yeah. Like it's really just once you get to the top and just have a perfunctory fight with the bad guy and then he just literally evaporates and then they just pal, pal around in a restaurant for a few minutes and it's over. I don't know.
2: It's just, it's such a weak way to deliver on what you are setting up with this supposedly all-powerful Shang Tsung who has bent the entire will of this timeline supposedly to his power is that all you get is this dumb pyramid fight, which I understand is a callback to something, but like, it just feels like such a waste for what you were supposedly setting up there, and it makes, frankly, this Shang Tsung seem like a total chump, because as powerful as he's supposedly supposed to be, like, you just wail on him for a round and then it's over. And it's like, what was the point of this?
1: Yeah, and as much as I like the voice actor they got for Shang Tsung and he's doing an incredible uh, impression, I really didn't feel the same level of like grandiosity as as the one from Aftermath. No. Mm, granted, I mean like you can't you can't out carry Hiryuki Tagawa himself. No. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't top that, but I still felt like the character didn't feel like the same conniving, ultimate scheming wizard guy from from the last game. By the time we got here, like he like he just kind of he just kind of folds, right? Yeah,
2: he just folds. And I also didn't think the face turn of your Shang Tsung and the Quan Chi stuff was really that effective either, because they sort of played it. It's like okay, now we forged a different deadly alliance, but it's like it's just for kind of a chapter, and it doesn't really pay off into anything interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just I just needed I needed a little more at the end here. Yeah. Or a I, lot more.
0: I, I think um I think I would have been I really like this Shang-Sun, by the way. I think I think he's a lot of fun. And I think a lot of it goes to the animators and the and the motion capture. Like the performance capture is is just fantastic. The uh but I think I would have preferred and this is armchair narrative writing or, you know, I, I don't make the game, but I think I would have preferred more of the angle of you can't there's a bigger power, because there's always a bigger power in Mortal Kombat, right? A bigger power is keeping the timelines on a path, right? Mm-hmm. Like no matter how much Liu Kang wants to reset the timeline, there's some corrective force that's always gonna push it down this lane of Mortal Kombat. And that's what drove Chronica, you know, mad. And this is what this is the way it is, versus the multiverse stuff. I would mm-hmm. I think I would have enjoyed some other cosmic thing that is either bigger than a Titan, you know, whatever it is that keeps forcing this mortal combat universe down this horrible path of endless fighting. Cause the multiverse stuff, they don't maybe if they had gone into a way of like oh they're collapsing they're weaving they're doing this thing at the end and left it as like well we have a lot of work to do instead they kind of just leave it to what is that mode called where you you bounce around inside the the different maps Oh, the invasions mode yeah they kind of like leave it open for the invasions mode like hey the the timelines are leaking basically we have Mm -hmm. to go be a plumber here um versus it almost ends like a Like a first movie that they're not sure if they're going to make a sequel to, which this is not that. You need to end this with a serious cliffhanger, which I think the Havoc stuff just isn't that
2: threatening. And that's, I think, where I come out on the inclusion of all those PS2 era characters and kind of throwing them into the mix here is that I was hoping that they would find good angles for those characters to make them feel as important or vital as the ones that you've known pretty much since the first trilogy. And I just, with the exception of Ashra, who I think is good in the scenes they give her and kind of gives a little bit of justification for her existence, they kind of abandon her too, the way they do everyone else. And I just don't think the way they are inserted into this storyline makes them feel like they are as vital as, you know, a Liu Kang or a Johnny Cage or any of that, like they just feel like a, a lot of no- knowing winks to people who are the most hardcore Mortal Kombat fans and know that when Asher puts on that big dumb hat, that's a reference to something which I had to look up because I did not remember that Asher had a big dumb hat originally, but she did. Uh, and I just that does very little for me unless you're willing to reshape these characters into something more meaningful. And I just don't think they get there with most of them.
0: I also thought they were, uh, this was going to open up into a create a character mode, but at the end where you're like Mm -hmm. mixing matching powers, I was kind of shocked when it didn't. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of got the same vibe. I think, I think all those mashup characters are handmade though. In fact, they are. I know they are, but Uh, it does, it does kind of make you wonder for a minute. Like, (laughs) are they just going to take all the limiters off and let you do whatever you want?
0: Maybe in some DLC th- or like post, Mortal Kombat One. I th- it's I'm kind of down on where it went, but I enjoyed the ride for the most yeah, part. I, I,
1: I, I, like, it's a fun it was enough ride. It yeah. was up and down for me. Like parts of it were pretty slow, and then it gets very messy with all the multiverse stuff. Like it, it definitely has its moments, but I found it way less coherent overall than Eleven, and way less satisfying and formulaic.
2: But- like in a way that even though they have been doing this formula for like four games now, like I think that the formula. On its own is not strong enough now to carry you if you don't have a good enough story and like it's two things I think that one the reason I'm so critical of this is because I think they did such a good job by and large on the previous trilogy and the way they, they shape those stories and and reset everything but I think here it just does not feel like they have as much to work with that is interesting or good or you know novel to do with these characters And I think the formula itself is just now starting to feel a little bit tired. Like, I got a little bored fighting a guy, getting a one-liner, getting a cutscene, fighting a guy, getting a one-liner, getting a cutscene. Like, it's just a little too cookie-cutter now. I'd like to see them try and branch out and do something a little different structurally next time, too.
1: Yeah, I think they might need that, actually. Like, I I don't mind the format, but I don't know that they know what else to do with it. Yeah, I think that's the problem, is I don't think they know where to take this. Like, I think this is like actually kind of a larger problem with like a lot of mainstream genre writing these days mm-hmm. right like they i feel like they're dealing with both reboot creep and power creep at this mm-hmm. point you know like power creep has been a thing since the first game it's like the first game had one bad guy then the next game had the bad guy who was behind that bad guy right. and then two games later you got another evil wizard above him and now it's just gone up into tiers of godhood you know like you had demigods and then elder gods and now titans and <laughs> And also, they've rebooted four times. It's like, you can't keep doing that stuff forever. No. Like, and it loses its impact, you know, if you do it too much. But that's the corner they've written themselves into, and I don't know how they get out of it.
2: Well, and also, now. I think when you call your game Mortal Kombat 1, you are signaling to an audience that this is where everything starts, from, and this is where everything is going to branch out from here on out. And if you're going to do that, you need to make sure that all those branches are compelling, and that people want to take go along for the ride beyond what you're doing here. I mean look, I'm I'm willing more than willing to play the next Mortal Kombat story yeah. and I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I can't say that what they have established here as a foundation is nearly as compelling to me as what they did in the last trilogy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely with that. I mean, like, you know, if they do an aftermath type expansion for this, I'll be there day one. Like I'll yeah. you know, I'll kind of show up day one for whatever they do narratively with this, but
2: and on top of that, the game's fun. The thing is, like, I'm st- I'm glad the game is still a lot of fun because I will keep playing it outside of the story mode. I'm, I'm having a very good time with it. It feels weird to spend this much time talking about a fighting game story mode, but that is where they got themselves with especially that last trilogy. And it's just unfortunate. I, I feel like I came away from this one kind of disappointed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a testament to how good their story modes have been mm-hmm. that we're even having this conversation. Um, I don't know. I... It, pains me to say this but i feel like this overall package is definitely kind of underwhelming compared to 11 yeah like like i've I've been having some fun online like i've been doing okay online but like i've played some invasions i played the towers um you know i've gone and unlocked some cosmetics i've kind of done i've done daily and weekly quests i've kind of been doing most of what there is to do in this it just feels like a thinner package than 11 did at launch by kind of a lot to me yeah not only not only did i enjoy that story mode more but like the crypt in that thing was incredible as a kind of like progression meta mode. Like the towers of time were a super interesting, repeatable activity right out of the gate in that game. Like I felt like the gear system was more fleshed out. Like, like you've only got one loadout in this, you know, you kind of go set your skin and your gear and that's it. And you have to just kind of go back in there and change stuff out when you're bored of it. Like you can't, you can't be like, Hey, I want three templates. Like here's my, you know, Different different types of character. Like it just it just feels it just feels like the feature set is a little bit lacking and the extra modes are not as exciting or interesting as they have been in the past. Yeah. Um the what fighting seems it? quite good. Like I like I said, I'm enjoying playing it online for sure.
0: What do you think of the cameo edition?
1: Um People are definitely making a lot of use of it out there. We kind of talked about it last week. Like people are finding a ton of crazy synergies where you can like, oh, you can extend an extra 20% of damage out by turning this combo and or, you know, putting a launcher in the middle of this combo and keeping it going and stuff okay. like that. Like, I just don't have the technical inclination to experiment with that stuff and like, find out what those are. Like, you know, maybe I'll go read about some and try a few of them, mm-hmm. but like you think about the exponential increase in complexity when you say, not only do you have to pick a character and learn all their stuff, but now you can pair them with any other cameo. Yes. You know what I mean? It's for the competitive like, heads. Like that's what it's designed yeah, totally, for. Totally. Like, like, you know, in, in in the FGC parlance, like labbing combos of characters and cameos is just mm-hmm. going to take f- forever, which maybe is what they wanted in the competitive scene. I don't know. Um, I, I think it's it's OK. Like, it's the cameos are interesting. I mean, it's definitely a fun way to get more classic characters in there and some extra fatalities and stuff like that. But on a technical level, in terms of what you do with it in the fighting, I haven't done a lot with it. I yet. think
2: I liked Eleven's. Uh, uh, slightly more geared toward just creating different versions of the same character like that was their big system was like here are the, the different stuff. templates you know mm-hmm. kind of mix and yeah. match a little bit I think that to me was a little more compelling but I like what the cameos can potentially bring on the competitive scene but that's purely me as a viewer because in that will make Evo fun it does not not because I'm going to get really good at this stuff
1: yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, the, the cameos also, though, enhance an aspect of these games for the last few games, or maybe all of them, but especially the last few, where it's just the game's gone so juggle heavy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm already seeing it. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a hilarious cliche, and I find it kind of endearing. Like, I think the cliche about modern Mortal Kombat games in the first few days of release is, like, you go online and <laughs> you fight people that, like, barely know what they're doing, or are not even, like, doing the fundamentals at a high level, and then all of a sudden, they'll bust out a, like, 8-second long 40% damage combo on Mm -hmm. you. Because the training is very good at teaching you those. Yeah, Like, if you go into the practice and challenge stuff with the characters, they will teach you a bunch of combos that will net you a crap load of damage, and if if you just keep the character, keep your opponent in the air long enough, and, like, it's kind of funny to run into that out there, but I don't know that I love it on the receiving end, like, it just kind of... Like if you can execute, execute one of those combos efficiently, then you just get a bunch of free damage. You know, like right, if you yeah. can just get them in the right spot and then hit the right buttons at the right timing, it's just like a third of their health bar is gone. And like that's just it. Just, it, it kind of breaks up the flow of the matches a little bit to me. It's like oh, well, I'm airborne. I guess I'm just going to get juggled for the next eight hits until I come back down and can do something again. Can you cameo
0: um, your way out of those? I've, I feel like I've there are some seen ways to do that.
1: And like yeah. yes, you're 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 right. I have not been using that. Uh, enough
2: that like, that like, you know, block um, stuff that you can do with the cameos. Those, yeah. It, like for
1: forward, forward and block, I think is how you break out of a combo. But some, I think that takes meter, right? Yes, it does. like yeah. You can, you can do some of that. I'm sure.
2: absolutely no good at doing that.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I mostly do it by accident so far. I've only like seen I, it done
2: I, against me.
1: Yeah. Like I need to get better about it. Like even the computer will do it against you occasionally. Like you're not, you're not wrong that that is actually a way to address that issue. Um, and it's not, you know, it's certainly not game breaking. Like I'm still. I'm still having fun with it. I'm online. I'm actually kind of like scouring like, all right, who's the good character to play right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it sounds like Lee May might be kind of broken. I might give her a shot.
2: I got real good with reptile. I will say so, I, that is not a thing I've ever done in any other previous game. <laughs> I've never been a great reptile player, but this version of him, I feel like is snappy in a way that works really well for my, my tendencies.
1: Yeah. Like the, the fighting feels good. Like it yeah. moves well for sure. Um, the only other thing I can think of real quick to say about it, I just, I want to give a shout out to the technical execution of uh, chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Like not only, I mean, you know, whatever load times almost don't exist now. So getting you in and out of all those fights is kind of par for the course, although it is still impressive. The main thing to me is that they pair your choice of character with the CG in a way that is basically seamless. Mm. Like <laughs> going all the way back to like final fantasy seven, there is a long history of putting real time 3D graphics over top of FMV (laughs) and having it look like shit. Mm -hmm. So for them to have been able to take your selected character who has to be a real time, because they certainly did not put 15 versions of the FMV on in the install. Like I I thought that was really impressive that they were able to blend the real time stuff that you choose with the big flashy cinematic stuff. And you basically, basically can't tell.
0: I I couldn't tell. I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I, th- I think that is that is to be commended that they did a good job with that.
2: I mean, Nether Realm has been pushing the boundaries of technical stuff for this, you know, their storytelling and their fighting games for you know some time now, and I feel like they've gotten those games to a really amazing place in terms of you know both gameplay responsiveness and how their their cinematic productions generally look and feel and move. Again, my issue with this one mostly has to do with storytelling and the overall game feeling a little thin, like you said, Brad. But I think, you know, as a fighter, it's still a hell of a lot of fun, at the very okay. least. And I'm still having a very good time with it.
0: I, this would be a lot to ask. But if it had escalated to a point where at the end of this game, through those portals are fucking Lego people, Batman, you know, every every Warner Brothers property. That would be property, funny, at least. That would have been like, okay, you went to a place that was to what like that's ridiculous even if it was just background stuff happening where you saw like lego gandalf fighting somebody like Mm -hmm. uh in the background would have escalated to a place where i felt like okay this is really wild this is really imaginative and new um a rights nightmare of course but look you're warner brothers you do what you need to do uh i just by the end of that game what that like? What is the havoc cliffhanger? I'm sorry, I missed all the action. I guess we're fighting let's,
2: chaos realm next or, time. I don't or, know. Or like
0: he's basically like, let's do this again. <laughs> like let's make another multi multi dimensional battle again. Yeah, like, fuck it, just, it. it. Why not? It, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. And like I think all the stuff you mentioned, Alex, with like, hey, the 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 timelines collapsing or whatever it is, and then we'll just cut to it's fine. Like, yeah, we're, we're there's know. a lot of
2: dead bodies, but it's fine.
0: Um. I don't know. I, I think it could have been a little cleaner. I think it, I, I think I'm personally, Brad. I know you probably haven't experienced it too much, but I am saturated on multiverse stuff. Uh, it's it, I think it's what it so much.
2: I, I'm with you. I think when it's done well, I can still stomach it. You know, like I don't mind all the weird stuff they did that they played around with, like in the last Spider Verse movie. I thought that stuff was mostly pretty fun, even though you know, again, I'm I'm about as burned out on this shit as you are. I think my problem is they came. it feels like they came to this mode with a predetermined conclusion in mind and then tried to write their way into it. They didn't really let the characters breathe or find a way to kind of just let the story dictate where they go. They're just like, no, we want a big endgame battle that is like the Armageddon thing on the fucking pyramid. Uh, And also there's multiverses now, so figure out how to get us there. And it just... Somehow they ended up the part. The figuring out how to get us there part was the most interesting, and once they got there, it was not interesting anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think if the last like five minutes of the game had been way stronger, I I could pretty much forgive the shortcomings Same. that come before that. But th- it's, there's just nothing there. It's just I weak think,
2: shit at the end. I'm sorry.
0: I I, th- I think we're just at a media point where people we we don't let franchises go, and the multiverse stuff is just a mechanic to have these franchises go on indefinitely while doing nostalgia polls right like it well, 100%, is 100% yes you know, yep. it is just like 30 40 50 60 plus year old franchises sometimes that are like what do we do we need to appeal to a new crowd and an old crowd and somebody somebody fairly early on i don't know if it was star trek who was the first <laughs> who, who fired the first multiverse shot here I don't know. to bring in the the, the uh, nostalgia play? But I mean, I mean this comics have been
1: doing it. Comics have been doing it forever. right? Yeah, decades like, and like, decades. And like, yeah. and like, I mean, maybe comic fans or somebody listening to this can speak to this. But like, is the, is, the, is the current multiverse stuff just an outgrowth of all the what if stuff that has happened over the years? Like what if issues in comics? And I think weren't they doing some of that in Marvel TV at some point? <sighs> like, did... Did the powers that be look at all the what if stuff and just say, hey, what if we just made that the main storyline?
2: No. Uh, well, OK, so <laughs> I'm trying to trace all this. Goodbye stuff back. Alex. Yeah, I do think there was multiverse and time nonsense in the Marvel Universe before they started doing what ifs. If yeah, I remember I, I, correctly.
1: I definitely believe that. I, I'm more wondering, like, what led to it becoming the thing that everybody is doing now.
2: I think it's one of those things where one or two successful properties messed around with this stuff, and then everyone decided, well, this is a really easy direction for us to push our franchises as well. And I couldn't—I'd t- i like, I'd have to sit here and think about who was the, really the, the, at the forefront of that stuff this time around. I want to say it was fucking Rick and Morty, honestly, but, like, it's just— I mean, this isn't even the only multiverse Warner Brothers has fucked around with this year because that whole Flash movie is mm. basically about that shit to the point where they brought in the a CG version of the never actually made Nicolas Cage Superman in that movie huh. as a cameo. Wow. That's the kind of bullshit they were pulling from in that multiverse.
0: I'm telling you, it's a great way for these super old franchises, or let's say, an easier way to hit new stuff and hit old nostalgia bones, uh, at the same time with, and trying to, trying to feel like you have a new story with old stuff. And it just feels like we've done it so many times now. Yes. That, Maybe we just need new franchises. Maybe we just have to...
2: Or maybe Mortal th- Kombat just needs to figure out a way to evolve that does not involve the universe resetting over and over again, or timelines branching out into a, a infinitesimal number of directions. Like, what if there was just a tournament that kept happening? And new characters? And new characters!
0: Ah, uh, they tried that. I feel like they tried that with four and stuff. Yeah, and people, well, <laughs> well they, all,
1: they also tried it with ten. Yeah. With the combat kids yeah. and... I have to say that moment at the end of chapter 15 when Katana just wastes all of the combat kids in short order kind of felt like some weird meta commentary somebody another realm was making on those characters. I don't know,
2: which is weird because I actually like those characters like I, I don't understand to, the
1: problem going going back to X. I, I granted I did. I haven't played X in years and I just played a little bit of it this weekend like I, I didn't love the combat kids in that game, but I thought Cassie Cage and Jackie Briggs were both great in Eleven. Yes. Like I thought I thought those characters also they weirdly just dispensed with um Takeda and Kung Jin, like they're not even in Eleven, but Cassie and Jackie I thought were like like really came into their own as characters in Eleven. Yeah.
2: Cassie Cage in particular, I think, is the best of that spate of new characters. And I think the stu- the dynamic between her and her parents is one of the more interesting things they do in 11, despite the Ronda Rousey voice acting.
1: Yes, like there's just more pathos in in 11. There's more like genuine character meat to sink your teeth into in that game. Like like the idea, the idea like minor 11 spoiler, like the idea of Cassie Cage watching her mother die, in fact, leaving her mother to die that morning and then having (laughs) the 30 years younger version of her mother come through a time portal that afternoon. Yep. And like having to deal with hanging out with your young mom who just died. It's like, that's, that's a super interesting idea. Totally. And, and then I think, I they actually, think
2: that's another case where I feel like what they do with it makes good and pays off in a way in that story that makes it feel like that was not just a tossed off gimmick. Like they make it part of the story that feels like it matters.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything in this game that is quite at that level. I mean, there is some good character stuff, but none of it, none of it pays off that well. No. No.
0: MK one. Yeah. You think the next one's just Mortal Kombat Two?
1: I don't know. Because the first all, game is Mortal Kombat part two. Right? First of all, leave that name alone. <laughs> yeah. Please call it something else. So just there was never me.
0: just just for me or for anybody else listening who doesn't quite know, there was never a Mortal Kombat
2: one, right? There's just Mortal Kombat. It was just Mortal Kombat. So yeah. this
0: is a unique name in
2: a database. Technically, Mortal Kombat no. 2, again. again, if you put that into Google, it's still not going to help you.
1: No, that's, that's what it is. Mortal Kombat 2 is one of my all time favorite games. Please just let it be. Yeah. <laughs> so same. is it Mortal can, Kombat 1 part 2? Do whatever <laughs> you want with the game. Just please call it something else. Just
2: give it a okay. just go. Like if we're bringing up all these PS2 era ones, like fine. Just go back to the subtitle. Don't call it <laughs> Mortal Kombat number. Call it Mortal Kombat. Dumb word. That's I'm fine with I, that.
1: I, I would be fine with that for sure. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where the like solidity of nether and warner brothers games is at these days, you know, like the whole idea or the whole, th- the theory was they went straight from 11 to this instead of doing injustice three, because they were worried about getting sold off and not having access to the DC rights anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not confirmed. But remember like warner brothers was shopping around their games division around that time. And that's why everybody, cause normally they would go, normally they go MK and justice, MK and justice is the pattern they've been doing. So I don't, I don't know where they're at with that stuff and whether they do just move straight on to an, another MK game after this or maybe things are settled enough that they actually do another Injustice now, Here's, in, which case, in which case it's going to be a very long time before another MK.
2: Well, let me just throw this possibility out there. They just introduced multiple timelines and multiverses and all that shit. If you're going to do a Mortal Kombat versus DC sequel...
1: They, they absolutely could do MK v. DC 2. <laughs> you
2: have now just given yourself the easiest... The most softball underhand toss way to go about that. In this
0: version, in Mortal Kombat One, the multiple timelines were created when Liu Kang defeated Kronika or were they always in the
2: background?
1: I, I that's think their
2: explanation that they were created at that the, the, fight. The timeline was torn apart.
1: Okay. I thought that I thought that only happened when he fought Shang Tsung in the in the revised version of Eleven. I think is what they said. That's
2: what they say. Yes,
1: but
0: it wasn't like there are multiple timelines forever and ever. This is just a no, no, splintered of no, no, The timeline.
1: No, I think I think Uris or somebody explicitly says like there's only ever been one serial timeline from one to the next until until now. And okay. now there are now there are endless ones at the same time.
0: Okay. Okay. Um. So it's not like there's been parallel timelines this whole time
2: no, uh, no, no, no. so there could until be a we find out there actually was because they could yeah. be a, just go back on that if they felt like it
0: could be a path to reuniting the timelines right like that could be a story arc somewhere could of, be of trying to bring it all back under control or we could just write it's have multiple timelines anyway
1: moral Kombat one yeah it's interesting but they, they, they went for some stuff
2: it's a fun ride I just wish it paid off better. Like, I, I know what this the studio and this team is capable of, and I just feel like this is not their strongest effort on that front.
1: Yeah, and it, it also just didn't feel like a page-turner the way that Eleven did to mm-hmm. me, where I, I was constantly excited to see what was going to happen next. I feel like there's just, like, there are too many, there's too much training of new characters in this. Uh, there's too much, like, standing around in Sindel's court just talking about the tournament type stuff, you know? Like, there are just some kind of long stretches that, that were not much is happening.
0: I th- I think my favorite part again, not a huge Mortal Kombat person, but my favorite part of all of the reboot stuff from all of the modern Mortal Kombat was seeing the arc of the development of the Cyber Ninja. I think was was my favorite. So was that in ten, where they where they introduced like the Cyber Factory? Yeah, well, where like, the
1: first like the very first cyborg ninjas were in three.
0: No, 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 no. Like I mean, like na- in
2: this in the
1: last reboot timeline, in this rebooted yeah, t- yeah. era. Where they're like, oh, the Lin Kuei right. needs,
0: like,
2: we're, we're going to invest I, in technology and, like, you know. I do feel like a lot of that was in X, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay.
1: I've, in fact, yeah, I, I was reminded, I think Sub-Zero was, Sub-Zero was a cyborg for a while and then somehow got turned back into a human again.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Because, uh, because they play, as you play as human Cyrex, right?
1: Yeah. In- which came is, is that there's nine? human
2: cyrax and i think it you maybe see human sector for a second but they're yeah. like on opposing sides if i remember correctly i think I that, that's, that's even nine or cool. X. yeah like,
1: that, that that stuff was interesting uh, like that comes that comes around in 11, too, cuz you find cyborg cyrax and he clearly is absolutely miserable living as a robot
0: and the whole factory is in one mm-hmm. of the games yeah. like that that stuff was interesting i think that was more interesting than the stuff they were doing here but Again, I probably missed a lot of things. I did notice the scar um, uh, you know, a Scorpion gets and it's like, oh, okay, that's the sub zero scar and I'm I sure think, there's a billion other things I missed, like the I, hat thing you mentioned.
2: I think a little of that stuff goes a long way, and it really feels like every chapter, especially in the middle, is just a punctuation of <coughs> hey, here's how they got signature thing.
0: Uh Havoc, I, I didn't I didn't know Havoc, but when I looked him up, I was like, Oh, right, he does he's got a zombie face. I don't think that's- I want to know Havoc. Think you're gonna have to know Havoc. I don't wanna know Havoc. You're really building up havoc. Give me Kotal
2: Khan back. If you're gonna be a Kotal, give me Kotal Khan back. At least that guy I, was I, fun. Well, fun, like, but start. I like Kotal Khan. Yeah.
0: Who's Kotal Khan? He's like he, the
2: he, the dude who takes over for Shao Kahn in Outworld, uh, and is sort of like the leader of Outworld and I want he's definitely the leader of Outworld in most of the last one, I think.
1: Yeah, he he is he's pretty prominent in eleven. Yeah. He's, okay. He, He's an Oshtek, I don't know who, what race that is, but I guess they're one of the races of outworld. Um, yeah, so he, he becomes, he becomes Khan and then he gets his back broken by Shao Kahn.
0: Oh, I remember that. Okay.
1: And then Katana becomes Katana Khan. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the moment he said Katana Khan was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And amazing.
2: They've done some uh. amazing things with these stories. I just don't think this is one of them. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I think it's like I think it's I think it's good, but it's it's pretty uneven.
0: Um, that's gonna do it for our Mortal Kombat one spoiler fest. Uh, stick around, we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about some other games. We'll be right back. And we are back, and it's time for some other video games. Now we started with the Mortal Kombat stuff because i to make sure that if any spoiler stuff happened there, hopefully it's before all the chapter markers get completely thrown out of sync, mm-hmm. to do some ads and stuff like that. But what I really want to hear about, Brad Shoemaker, mm-hmm. is your time with Alan Wake 2.
1: Yes. What's I have I played like two hours of Alan Wake 2 in going a on hotel Alan? suite with uh, Thomas Puha and Sam Lake of Remedy. Oh, really? Yes. How is that? was that? Not, not at all stressful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, having them watch me play it. Um, Alan Wake 2 looks pretty and interesting, pretty ambitious, pretty, I can't say incredible or whatever, because we haven't played the full game. It looks way more impressive than what I was expecting. I'm going to say that. What um, were you
0: expecting?
1: I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was, my impressions are mostly colored by memories of Alan Wake 1, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you guys, but like when I think back on Alan Wake 1, what I mostly remember is a like kind of interesting third person shooter, but with shooting that kind of wore out its welcome, and also it was quite linear. Yeah, you know, a lot like, of finding kind of, thermoses is what I remember. you just kind of shot your way through that game, and like it was mostly propelled by like the writing, the story, the imagery. You know, like there's a lot of weird reality bending, psychological imagery, and stuff in that game, and like that was what made it made it good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. They've said this is a survival horror game in the marketing, like that's no secret. Like they've they've harped on that. Like you definitely see that in the stuff that I played, but there's also like kind of some adventure game elements. Like it's much less linear and there's much more to do than just shoot stuff in this that felt kind of surprising to me. Um, Like I remarked on that, like five minutes into the demo, I was just like, Oh, you've done this and this, like that's not what I was expecting after the first game. And Sam Lake actually said like, yeah, we like took all the lessons from control that we learned in making that game and put them in this or, you know, they're, they're drawing on that stuff. Um. So there are two playable characters. There's Alan Wake and there is Saga Anderson, I believe is her name, who's the FBI agent who has come to like the Bright Falls area to investigate some stuff. And if I understood correctly, you kind of choose when to swap back and forth between those characters. You can kind of interweave their stories. Like you do it at specific points in the environment. You have to find like whatever it is, a portal or some blood stain or something. Like you can't just switch whenever you want, but I think they're within some restrictions. You can kind of be like, you know, I'm going to go back to Saga's story. Now I've had enough Alan for a while.
0: Do you know if those stories are happening concurrently parallel or did what happened before the other?
1: It's hard to say. Cause Alan wake is not in the real world in this game. He is in ah, the dark place. Okay. Um, so Saga's in the real world. She's in bright falls and there's a couple of other little towns around there also that you go to. And that's part of, that was the first thing they started me off in bright falls or in that area that, that I noticed was you're just in a town walking around talking to people hmm. and you can like wander into a karaoke bar and there's a pretty good scene in there. And there's just like people hanging out, doing their blue collar jobs that you can go up and talk to. And you're investigating stuff like they've really, they're really emphasizing the idea of investigation in this game, particularly with her. Cause obviously she's an FBI agent. Like Alan's stuff is a lot weirder, but it's a lot of like going through dialogue trees, looking for clues. Cause you're like trying to find huh. a certain person or trying to find a place and you're straight up interrogating people or interviewing them trying to find information. But the place that really manifests and they have shown this before, but it was like playing it. That really got my head around it is you can warp into both characters. You can warp into like a, I don't know what to call it. It's not a hub. It's kind of a, it's kind of a sanctuary, but it's not because the game doesn't pause when you do it. And they explicitly say like, hey, you might not want to do this in the middle of combat. But in Saga's case, it's called the Mind Place, mm-hmm. which is just this like, not a log cabin, and was this kind of like rustic looking environment with like tables and, a, and like a corkboard wall type thing. Basically a place to do a de- detective work. And you straight up are like sticking sticky notes on the wall and photos of things and like laying out the case that you're trying to solve. And like, answering questions that you've put up and stuff. And like doing that unlocks more stuff to do in the world, you know, like, like it'll be like, I'm going to go in there and profile the person I just interviewed that I just met. Like, think about what their deal is and that'll unlock like new dialogue options. You can go back into the game and do. Okay. Um,
0: is it on a structure? Like, like you got like a big check Mark, if you put everything in the right order and then it unlocks something.
1: Don't know. I mean, you'll, you'll very clearly see new options pop up on the sort of like layout of the case that you've got going when you've, uncovered something I think they kind of make it clear that way but do you okay. mean like I've got some footage of it in front of me that I'm looking at do you mean like does it kind of give you like slots for things you yeah, haven't uncovered exactly. yet like I believe it does do that okay Um, I'm trying to find some actual footage of that
0: like here are, you have ten things five of them will go on the board yeah with the red right five of, in
1: and, and every time you open up new avenues of the investigation it'll like take the form of a question you know so you kind of can see like oh there's questions here that don't have answers to them yet okay um, so you kind of know there's more you need to do and not all of it is required. I believe. Okay. Like some of it is optional, just kind of extra information to uncover. i like that might open up optional areas or something. Um, you in the real world, at least with saga, there are multiple towns you can go between and you can kind of just fast travel between them. So it's like, not only is there like non-combat like investigation type stuff that you actually can go between the different towns. And they said there's like side ah. stuff and nonlinear stuff to do. Huh. Um, back and forth, which that that was kind of the control comparison they made, was you know, control was not a fully linear game that had some side stuff and backtracking and so forth. Right. Um, so there's definitely some of that. Um Allen's version of that is that he's in the dark place, which is basically just like a really grungy, noir New York City now, because all of his novels are set in or a lot of his novels are set in New York City, so it's just kind of turned into that as he has lived there. Um that version of New York looks incredible. Okay. Like just the tech that they've got going for this, like there are there's a lot going on with Allen's gameplay actually. Like the just the look of that New York City and the Allen character and all that stuff is like some of the best I've seen in a video game, which I know is very high praise. That is. But then on top of that, and they've talked about this, there's a ton of FMV in the Allen stuff. I don't know if there's any in the Saga stuff. But they've, you know, they kind of made headlines when they announced they were like, oh, we're integrating FMV with the 3D stuff in Alan Wake 2. Yeah, like that stuff is extremely impressive. Like, like you'll just kind of know what I'm. I can't really characterize that until you see it. But the way that, the way that it both cuts back and forth between video and 3D, but more to the point, what they do with integrating FMV elements into the 3D world mm-hmm. is like, it's, it's extremely impressive. Like very well handled. It's not like I'm not talking about like in-game TVs with V on them. I'm talking like spectral shit going on. Okay. Where there is video of actors taking place in front of you while you're playing the game in a way that's just like, it doesn't look very, out of place. It's very inventive and very well done and executed. Like okay. I, I was like super impressed with that aspect of this. Um, Alan's stuff, like he has the writer's room instead of the mind place, <laughs> which is basically just kind of like a big empty room with a typewriter. um, And like what you're doing with Alan is kind of rewriting scenes of the world. Okay. Basically going into the writer's room and rewriting the area around you and then going back in and reality has changed. Okay. And you're basically changing the environment to access new events, like new pathways, new parts of the world kind of solve mysteries of your own there in a way. I didn't fully, I didn't finish the Alan sequence, so I didn't quite see where that stuff goes. Um, there's another aspect of Alan, which is that he can. I, don't, I know this is a lot. It was kind of a lot to get your head around. He can steal light from certain places, like the okay. like a big like spotlight or like a street light or whatever. He can like suck it up, steal that light, yeah, and carry it with him and deploy it again later in a place that where he can change what's around him with that. And okay. So you can you can like pop your light out and completely change the type of like change change the room that you're in or whatever. Which which again reveals new paths, like visually changes what things look like in a really interesting way, but also like a very abstract, kind of hard to get your head around kind of way of like, okay, I need to go in here and change it to a different type of room and then double back through the door. And now I'll be in a different place because I was in a different room a minute ago. Sure. But then breaks. change it back again type stuff, you know,
0: we have to keep getting your light source. And yes. Figuring it. Yes. Okay.
1: It's going to, it's definitely going to be some puzzle solving. It seems like of, of changing reality multiple times and kind of folding back in on itself right. in ways that, or maybe a little abstract to, to get your head around. Um, the Alan stuff seems really cool and very like dreamy and kind of incorporeal, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of like, what's real, what's not here. I mean, none of it is real because you're in the dark place, but like what is tangible here? What's subject to change at any moment? Like what can I change myself by rewriting what's around me? You know, did he even have a weapon in the stuff you played? Yeah. Yeah, They both. Okay. They both, it's, it's a shooter, but it's definitely a survival horror shooter. It's not a, it's not a just kind of third person, straightforward shooter like the last game. Yeah. Like resource scarcity definitely seems like more of a thing. Like I straight up ran out of ammo as Alan at one point. What do you and do? And I kind of got, I kind of got the sense from them that like, Hey, you might want to like run from some of these encounters and not try to kill everything. Cause. Okay. Clearly you're going to run into ammo problems if you just fight stuff endlessly. Um, so it's much more in the, in the kind of resident evil end of the spectrum of third person shooters of like, you got to conserve resources. Like healing is not that common. Gotcha. Bullet, bullets, not that common.
0: Enemies, not draw me, dropping ammo.
1: No, I don't believe so. I think okay. it's all just in the environment. Um, they do still have the flashlight mechanic. You do still have to like, use the flashlight to mm-hmm. burn the shield off the enemies to be able to harm them. So there is that the enemies feel way more dangerous than this. like, A lot of them have this dash move where they can just like, they almost look like they're fast forwarding where they just go like rocketing past you to the point that they're behind you. Hmm. And sometimes there will be other enemies still in front of you. So that gets real tricky. But the enemies kind of seem more nimble than you. Like you you have limited ammo and the enemies are very nimble around you. And it leads to some pretty challenging combat. Okay. Uh, So it very much feels more like a survival horror game than the last game did. There was that thing in that
0: one where you could like shine the flashlight on certain words right in the environment was that yes is that one
1: i didn't see uh that that was that was either in one or one of the dlcs i forget okay. i can't remember if that was actually in
0: well i guess i was going to ask is, is, is are there like environmental traps or anything like that for the enemies you can use or
1: maybe some stuff like that okay. like you have a flare gun that acts as kind of like a smart bomb kind of little aoe yeah sort of thing um, I didn't see a lot of environmental trap stuff, but that could like Alan's got to
0: write himself some better weapons, man. Yes, so perhaps. are you
1: doing? Um, it just, it just it feels like a much more varied game and much more with 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 a pretty strong identity. You know, like it really feels like a survival horror game with adventure elements.
0: That's cool because
1: that, that, that are very unique. Like the like again these like this crime solving and the other thing about the mind place and the writer's room is they are instantaneous. I'm not talking like I'm not talking. Ratchet and Clank style, like, oh, the load times are only like two seconds. I'm talking right. like frame to frame. It's like one frame transition from playing the game into those other environments. Like they must just keep them in memory or whatever. Mm. but it's still it's still like, you know, I feel like the the low load time type stuff is still novel enough that you can you can still be impressed by like I literally hit the button and as fast as I can hit the button, I'm in this totally other environment doing this doing this adventure game. That's investigation wild. Investigation stuff. So it's cool to see.
0: Not hidden behind some kind of extended animation of no, opening a portal. absolutely. It's, it's,
1: it's as fast as you can press the button, you're in this huh. other place. But but again, the game does not pause, so you can't just do it anytime you want. You have to kind of be careful with it.
0: And you're not in that other place. and You're just in your mind in that other place. It's not like you can escape a combat encounter by going no, to this other no, place. Okay. No.
1: But it is, a, it is a fully realized small environment that you walk around and can do different stuff in.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, it all sounds really neat.
1: It, it is. It is quite ambitious. It feels like they've got some real ideas and are, are taking some real swings with it. Did
0: any?
2: To, oh, sorry, real quick. Just did any of the Federal Bureau of Control stuff find its way into what you saw?
1: No, they dropped me into two specific chapters, one with each character, and there was not a lot of story stuff in either one of those. Okay. Actually, the saga stuff was actually kind of amusing. Having finally now watched some Twin Peaks because. I definitely get the Pacific Northwest vibes of, like, there's a lot of weird off-kilter characters hanging around this small Pacific Northwest town. Mm. Like, the karaoke stuff felt kind of Lynchian in a way, I guess okay. I would say. Well, so the reason I bring
2: that up is because they announced today that Janina is apparently playing a control agent in this game.
1: I saw. She's, yes. I can't remember if I knew that when I was at the demo or not. I saw that okay. she's in the cast list for yeah. this. Maybe I didn't know that, actually. That's
2: yeah, they, they she, just posted a photo of her and Sam Lake together saying, like, she's in the game as a federal mm. Bureau of Control agent.
1: Was she in control? No. Oh, so that's a new character? That's
2: a new character.
1: Interesting. So they're, okay, I, inter- yeah, they they didn't say anything about that. Like, I didn't realize they're, I didn't realize they're straight up saying there is control stuff in, in this game. I mean, you know, they, they have made it very clear that it's the same universe. Yeah.
0: Um, control definitely has Alan Wake stuff all in it, right?
1: Yes, there are also some strong Max Payne vibes in parts of the New York stuff in this. Okay, that feel that feel as close to referencing Max Payne just about as they can get without owning the IP. Right, uh, which is kind of audacious and cool to see to me. Um, I won't. I won't say what it is. I mean, it's 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 more like vibe stuff and not stories. So they're not like there's no Valkyr in this game <laughs> that I've seen or anything like that. Not yet. He hasn't written uh, that yet. But you'll 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 see what I mean when you get there. Um, it just it it feels it feels it feels really original. Like the stuff I saw, like by and large, I mean obviously the survival horror shooting is, you know, that's not that's not unique. But like the way they're telling the story, some of the tricks they're using around rewriting the environment around you and the investigation stuff and the presentation with the FMV elements integrated and stuff like that. It just it feels really impressive from what I've seen so far. That's cool. Which is, which is I'm much glad more you than like I expected it. going in. Yeah,
0: and that's um that's uh, like a month away, right? Like that is Ish, literally, yeah. I think, a month away. They, now. they pushed it
1: a week or two, but it's like end of October now. Cool. Like uh, I, I was, I was always games. going to play this game, but it has gone way up my list of like games that I'm actively looking forward to for the rest of the year. That's cool. Yeah,
0: And you got to hang out with Sam. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. The, uh, was it just you, or were there other uh, people? Uh, Thomas
1: Puha was there. Okay, was their head of marketing.
0: No, I mean like other press, quote unquote.
1: Oh, they did a big, they did a big press and influencer event in LA. Okay. Um, and they, they swung through town here to hit us and a couple of other outlets. Okay. Uh, so I got to, I got kind of the private showing.
0: <laughs> Lovely. Um, that is Alan Wake too. That is out, I think the 27th of October on everything, not switch, I should say not switch. But uh, PC, PS5, no. and Xbox no. Series X and S. And I guess, uh, not PS4. Uh, so I guess we are, we're we're kind of getting down oh, yes. into the, hey, stuff is coming out for PS5. and Yeah,
1: they, they, they talked about it a lot there. And also Thomas, if you follow Thomas on Twitter, he talks a lot about the tech of the game too. Like they're pushing a lot of rendering stuff pretty hard. Like I said, some of that New York stuff, like... It, it sounds really grandiose, and part of this is because they are switching from actual FMV back and forth a lot. so You are seeing the actual actor playing Alan Wake, right? But there are spots where they switch back to the model, where I couldn't tell for sure if it was the model <laughs> or still the actor. Like I know that I know that sounds like some like real graphics hype stuff, but, mm-hmm. but the the graphics tech in that New York stuff is super impressive. Um, they are pushing very hard on that.
0: Sounds exciting.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm really. Really, I'm looking, I'm sitting here looking at some of the footage right now and just like some of the, some of the cinematic techniques are just like, they just look right. They, a lot of it looks like the culmination of stuff they've been trying to do for 20 years. Sure. S- since the first Max Payne games.
0: I really liked Control. So if they're taking some cues from Control. Um, yeah.
1: You know, obviously no Psy Powers and it's not like a Metroidvania in a giant building like that was. It is somewhat of a different game, but.
0: um, All right. Well, well
2: speaking of Max Payne.
0: Yes, speaking of Max Payne, uh, Alex Varro, you played some El Paso elsewhere? Oh, you mean the new Max Payne?
2: <laughs> is it the new Max Payne? Uh, it's the first I'm going to say real serious effort anyone's made to make something like it in a good long time. Okay,
0: tell me about El Paso elsewhere. A game we saw during the Next Fest demo or one that of the is demos? Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the demos during Next Fest. Uh it's been I've seen this game kind of boiling up for a couple of years now. It's something that uh, the lead on it, uh, Zalevier Nelson, has been talking about for a while. He's also the the mind behind uh, Sunshine Shuffle, the the weird mm-hmm. talking animals card game, the airport for dogs game, a bunch of mm-hmm. other things. This is, I'm going to say, of the stuff I've played of his, this feels like the most fleshed out, fully like, modern-ish game that uh, him and the people that he works with have tried to make so far. Um, you know it's low it's low low res kind of intentionally like it's supposed to kind of evoke that 90s pc game sort of like uh you know it's like there are faces there's a fair amount of animation but everything all the textures are kind of low res look to it but it does it in a way that i think is both knowing and kind of gives it a style of its own like it is it is you know it's low low fi by by design and mm-hmm. The general vibe of it is you are this very narration-loving, hard-boiled lead character, uh, James Savage, uh, who is out to stop his ex-girlfriend, who is also a vampire lord that is trying to bring about the end of the world, inside a motel in El Paso, Texas.
0: And the Max Payne stuff coming in from the kind of noir uh, monologuing, right?
2: Is that in the shoot dodging, which yeah, is and very much dodging. Max Payne? <laughs> right, like it yeah, is literally. Yeah. There is a slow down time button. There is a dive forward, backward, wherever button, yes. and you are you are doing Max Payne shit while also he is talking his Max Payne shit.
0: I had forgotten about the yes yeah, slow motion jumping, spin the mouse around, yeah. shooting. Uh, it's from what I remember you playing in the demo, and I I'm, would have to imagine this carries through in retail. Is uh very kind of abstract labyrinthian levels kind of yes. uh is yeah, that, you're in is a motel
2: it... but then you go down a floor and suddenly it's like oh cool the ceiling's gone and there's doors okay. floating everywhere and the rooms keep reshaping themselves in different ways to bring more enemies in and a lot of those enemies are you know enemy vampires as you are making your way up to dracula <laughs> who is the uh the vampire lord lordus um <laughs> And so there's two things here. Is the shooting good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It has a pretty tight feel to it. Uh, you kind of have to manage your slowdown meter. Uh, you can't just be jumping around slow motion all the time. Uh, you kind of have to build up, build it up a little bit before you really go, go ham on it. But once you kind of get a feel for, like, where I should be shoot dodging and where I should just be running around gunning or, you know, staking, uh, it has a pretty good flow to it. The other thing is, is the narration any good? Is it just aping Max Payne or is it kind of doing its own thing? A lot of, I mean, the tone of it is very Max Payne, but the story and the character, this guy is definitely a tortured noir protagonist, but he doesn't, it isn't just Max Payne metaphors nonstop. Like he's telling his own story. It has a little bit of its own voice to it. And it's a little funnier than I think Max Payne tended to be like a lot of Max Payne's comedy was tragic comedy. There's some of that here, but also occasionally the the protagonist will just be like, you know, it's like, a, you know, giving some hard boiled Never say it's And there's only one man who can stop it. It's me. I'm that guy. Hi. You know, like that kind of stuff. Sure. Where it's, just a, it's a little goofier. It's also yeah. self, more self-aware and goofy. And the the voice is done by Zalavier, like it is it is him doing the the narration. And I'm gonna say it right now, he is a far more vo- a talented voice actor than I would have maybe initially <laughs> thought. He is really nailing the tone of this thing.
0: Uh, so you're enjoying your time with it
2: a lot, yeah. I I mean I I'm like an hour and change into it. I don't know. I don't know that it's a super long game, but. I'm having fun with it, and I like that someone has made like a real honest effort to try and make one of these again, and is doing kind of a neat spin on it. Are you playing on the PC? I am. Yes, it's also on Xbox.
0: Uh, very cool. Twenty
2: dollars at launch.
0: Yes, I'm just looking up the price right now. Twenty dollars. Uh, James ver- Savage
1: is a pretty good, yeah, pretty good stand-in, hard-boiled noir <laughs> name that's not Max Payne.
2: And there are things that they are just straight up aping, like the the pills. You're constantly popping pills. You know, like the 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 tone is definitely a loving tribute to Max Payne, but it's more supernatural than those games tended to be. Dual pistols, slow mo jumping, shotgun, all that hard stuff, yeah. boiled
0: action, mm-hmm. just all over the place. Yep, that's uh, El Paso, elsewhere, mm-hmm. and they're we mentioned this last time, but there is some other El Paso, El Paso nightmare. Is that the, like, uh, f- was it the, so $5 it's like a prequel thing?
2: story thing that I think came out last year. Uh, okay. I have not actually touched that at all. So I don't, I don't know what the deal with that is. I think that's not a shooter. I think that's more of a, uh, narrative thing.
0: Okay. Gotta get the full story. Uh, this is El Paso elsewhere available on PC and Xbox platforms out now. uh, Chance of Senar. Chance, not chance. Chance. Chant. Like Chants. Gregorian chant. Um, This game, uh, it was a game that I think, Alex, you had pulled for um,
2: our planorama at some yes. point. I, I didn't know about it. I kept meaning uh, to dip back in, but I haven't done it yet.
0: I picked this up uh, yesterday, and I cannot put this game down. I wound up playing it last night until I saw a giant spider in my basement, the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life, Uh, and then I stopped and then uh, woke up very early after I dropped the kids off at school and just continued playing pretty much until this podcast. I absolutely love this game so far. Uh, It is kind of in the style of an Obra Din or um, Golden Idol where you are there's no basically no um, written English or or, or or recognizable language but you are trying to decipher the symbols as a language right mm-hmm. so um, you are trying to figure out the what the language is of these uh, different um groups, cultures, Mm -hmm. let's say within this kind of made up world. And you do translate them into English, but you know, they do not speak uh, a recognizable language that you could, you can figure out. Uh, and it's awesome. Okay. Like you, you will, you will through context, through kind of writings, figure out like, uh, you know, like they'll have different, uh, systems for language though. They're kind of Western ish, but they get harder, uh, where hey, this is how this culture or this group pluralizes words. You know, so if you have an I with this symbol, it'll mean we. And when you get to the kind of translate the things, and you're using that to figure out puzzles, and they do it very uh, intelligently and and very player minded to keep you from having to do too much busy work. I'd say throughout the game in taking notes, you can take notes right in the game as soon as you see a symbol. Uh, playing on PC. Write it down right next to the symbol. It's like, whenever I see a thing, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it my best guess because later on, I might not know what it is. And then you'll see that symbol again in a different context. And you're just trying to figure it's a very, um, you know, cryptography logic based game where mm-hmm. we're just trying to decode, uh, language and kind of fez like,
1: uh, yeah, fez or it kind of makes me think of the witness, not in the particulars of what you're doing to solve puzzles, but in, in that you're trying to like unpack the logic of a world where you kind of have to infer all of it.
0: Yeah, and but it does have, like, again, um, it's got the Golden Idol over Din-esque thing where, I'm not really sure how you design around this, but if you have, let's say, eight of the ten things kind of figured out, you can kind of brute force your way into, it, it'll give you a big thumbs up when you've, like, solved a page, let's say, uh, and you can, you can kind of just force your way into some things, which I have done, being like, well, I know these other ones, I'm not quite sure what this word means, but I've got three unknowns here, I'll just keep slotting them in until it gives me the thumbs up. Uh, which is, you know, valid, I guess, if you figure the rest out, but feels a little cheating sometimes when you're like, I'll just guess my way through until the game tells me I'm right. But it's cool. And the story so far seems interesting and unique. And um, I'm curious to see how much further it goes uh, with their systems of religion and and mm-hmm. kind of caste system they have going on built in this world. It's... Control wise, you're kind of it's third person isometric. You're just kind of running around, um, clicking on different things to interact with them, and that's that's kind of the there's light puzzle solving. Well, moderate puzzle solving, wouldn't say extremely light. And you progress through the levels by solving puzzles, which usually give you access to some clues on to have to solve another puzzle and so forth and so on um, as you make your way through it. It's great. Um it
1: looks it looks very striking,
0: yeah it's, I haven't
1: seen it in motion much, but like the look of it is really
0: it's got a cool color palette yeah. um it's twenty bucks it's on uh the p c right now I think I want to say uh, before I get this wrong, let me just double check uh it's on switch and on consoles though I'm not exactly sure how you're inputting.
1: What are you saying about the swish?
0: Well, it's more of the text. Like, um, I don't know how you'd want to put in all the text, you know, I'm typing constantly in this game, deleting oh. and typing, um, uh, beca- because I'm just writing like kind of my thoughts on the, on the vocabulary as I'm trying huh. to translate these words constantly. So I'm not sure how it would be if you just get the kind of, um, uh, OS appropriate, um, uh, alphanumeric keyboard on the screen or whatever to put stuff in but on the PC I'm constantly typing in that thing to to change my notes and be like oh you know maybe this could, could mean happy man, happiness or enlightenment or fulfillment and I'll just write that all out in the notes and it's cool because when somebody else uses that character it'll show your notes on the on the sentence right mm-hmm. so you're like it'll be like I'm feeling happiness contentment enlightenment you're like oh it's it's probably contentment you know like and then i'll go back and change it it's really neat it makes you it's got a real uh, like you're parsing this out um in this world vibe to it and i, I love it i love those kinds of games again very yeah, obradin cool. and 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 golden idol and fez like
1: i have to i might have to give this a look
0: it's fun you, you'll get the you'll get the feel for it immediately when uh it starts off it starts off eases you into it. I'm at a point now where the kind of grammatical structure of sentences has changed from what I'm used to where the kind of, um, you know, objects will move around in the sentence. And so kind of decoding the sentences is getting a little tougher, but, uh, it's, and they've given me a lot more, um, a lot more vocabulary, unknown vocabulary at a time. Uh, they will seal in the, the, the main player, your player has a notebook and, They'll open the notebook and draw some pictures and you can match certain glyphs to the pictures to seal in the right words. So, you know, for sure, certain segments of their vocabulary.
1: Um, That's right. You got to, you got to lock in freshness. Got to lock that freshness (laughs) right in
0: that book. Um, a lot of fun chance of Senar. If, um, if you followed me for all these years and you're kind of on the same page I am with games, I highly recommend it, uh, checking it out. Um, really, it's one of those games I want to show my wife cause she's a big kind of, um, word nerd. And, uh, but I feel like since it does seem like one of those things you want to sit and play on a PC, I'm not sure I'm going to get her down into the basement at the keyboard to sit with me through that one. Uh, also trying five, I finished it or we finished it. The family, the Caravella family has finished trying five. That game is also great. Fun to play. I don't know if I'd want to play it by myself, but it was really fun to play with the family. Uh, A lot of good power-ups in that game. (laughs) Like, a lot of good ability changes, which I wasn't expecting, all the way up until the end. You start getting, you just get new abilities uh, on the regular.
1: Uh, That's good. That's what they needed, for sure. Yeah, Uh,
0: We went back, and as soon as we finished it, to playing Trine 1, and I'm not sure we're going to make it through Trine 1. Yeah, It's a little tough to go back. Uh, yeah, for a
1: series for a series that had felt kind of samey, that they definitely needed to just layer new mechanics on.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun, pretty lengthy, I'll say too. Um, we put a bunch of hours into it. Uh, try and five a clockwork conspiracy. I makes me want to try and six. Not something I was <laughs> thought I would say here on this podcast. So uh, keep going, I guess. Make more trying. Uh, the kids loved it. They were so bummed when it ended. That's why House we went right either. back down to try and one so whole new generation of shrine fans uh and
1: uh, uh I, can't, I can't wait for the multiverse reboot uh-huh, uh-huh all the different wizards can't wait for I can't for wait for the the knight that could use the grappling hook <laughs> <laughs>
0: um thief knight is my favorite character uh Brad, lastly here I just wanted to check in with you any more of dining?
1: um I've played a little bit f zero yeah just a little bit here and there uh. Not a ton. Okay. Right now. Mostly been spending an inordinate amount of time wrestling with my PC and and TV trying to get, trying to get, I want to play Cyberpunk on that new TV yeah, (laughs) In in the best possible way. And the last two nights I have spent dealing with like trying to get VRR to work, you know, trying to get the refresh rate correct. Oh. Like the, all the, you know, NVIDIA control panel settings and stuff like that.
0: Is it not reading them appropriately or properly or easily? uh, Everything,
1: everything, but VRR is working now.
0: Okay. But
1: anyway, I'm almost there. It was, it was a whole process though of like, why does the aspect ratio look like this? Like why, where's, why is the HDR signal not coming across? Oh, there it is. You you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, As someone who has plugged
0: a lot of stuff into a lot of stuff. Yes.
1: If I'm going to go through the trouble (laughs) of playing that game on a TV, I need it to look right. Did, uh, hopefully by next week I will have started cyberpunk.
0: Uh, not to belabor the point, but did you wind up using that long cable yet? Yes. uh, Is it working out?
1: I've got got that fiber optic HDMI cable working just fine. Great. Shockingly.
0: Okay, good. And how long Um, is your run? Or the cable?
1: uh, 50 50 feet was the shortest I could get that would make it as far as I needed to go. Oh. Uh, They also have a hundred foot. Oh, man. And it seems to work just fine so far in my experience. I will say the end that connects to the source, very warm by the time you're done (laughs) using it. warm ends
0: uh all right i think that's gonna do for game stuff unless you guys have anything else you want to hit before we get into the news we're gonna take another quick break here we're gonna come back hey folks i'm not kidding you should go check out chance of sanar it's a fun game it's a good game uh but we're gonna take a quick break here and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the news stick around And we are back, and it is time for the news. The old Nextlander podcast was this the C block? <laughs> we got the third pillar of the Nextlander podcast: the news. Um, usually, we uh, fill this segment in with some Activision, Microsoft, <laughs> new, reoccurring Activision, Microsoft. Uh-huh. News. There is some stuff there, but it's uh, it's so nebulous. We decided instead to go with the other one that's been uh, keeping afloat here: Unity. Brad Shoemaker, what, mm-hmm.
1: uh, Unity Watch 2023, where are we at? I mean, I guess I guess the CMA did say that the Ubisoft stuff makes the Microsoft Activision thing likely to go through, so that's definitely happening.
0: I saw that, and then I saw a thing when I was just during our break on uh, Game Industry Biz that it said, like, the FTC is reopening a thing. FTC plans huh. new in-house hearing against Microsoft Activision ac- acquisition. Boy, that's a mouthful. Uh, I did not get a chance to read the whole articles, but we are not going to talk about that now. Not That's, yet. <laughs> we'll get there, I'm sure, in the couple yes, of weeks.
1: I think that is the 17th, I think, is the deadline. Anyway, uh, Unity rolled out the new terms of their highly controversial plan to charge developers by number of game installs. That's mm-hmm. right. The runtime fee, is that the... Yeah, runtime fee is what they were calling it, I guess. It seems widely to have been accepted by just about all game developers that I follow, including the ones who are the most like loudly critical of the original policy.
0: You're saying the new, then this new yes. model.
1: Yes. Even, even some of the developers like Rami Ismail and, and George Broussard, some of the ones who have really been going hard on both unpacking and analyzing this thing and talking about how shit it was like both of them in particular. I was like, you know, just as a bellwether, I was like kind of shocked at how, seemingly okay they were with this pivot Mm -hmm.
0: i uh i saw some commentary in an article about um this the strategy of anchoring basically coming up with something so unpalatable that when you come up with the next thing you're like well at least it isn't that thing
1: i absolutely had that thought not to say Mm. they did it intentionally because that would be insane because the damage (laughs) damage they've done to their reputation and their relationship with their customers who are game developers is like nobody would ask for that or no. nobody would take that on willingly. If this was but, their
2: intention, this is the dumbest thing they could have done.
1: Yeah, totally. But if they had just rolled out this version of the policy, I don't know. There probably would have been just some, maybe some grumbling from people of like, oh, there's just levying another tax on us. Yeah. You know, probably wouldn't have been very popular <laughs> instead. People were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is totally acceptable.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, I I've seen, I've seen again, a lot, uh, not a developer myself, but I've seen some commentary of like, the trust is the thing now oh, yeah. that is going yes. to be hard yes. to continue on a Unity platform where we're not sure if this pivot's going to happen again, or you know, yes. when you commit they're, years and years to a, a a base, you know,
1: they are certainly going to still lose customers over this. Um, like probably, I mean, probably the best aspect of this though is that people currently engaged on a Unity project are no longer affected.
0: Yes, it like is. They the, had
1: tried to they tried to make it a retroactive policy, and now they're saying. This policy is only going to go into effect for the next LTS, like the the long-term support version of Unity, which is not coming out until 2024. And
0: usually that's a a major revision, right? That's a major number change.
1: So anybody making a Unity game today, unless they upgrade to that new version of the engine, will not be affected by this. So like that, because, you know, disrupting people's plans midstream with this shitty policy is like extremely uncool. Yeah, so you know given giving people the assurance that the work they've already done is not in danger is a big part of this um they said that the uh, games made with unity personal are no longer subject to this fee at all i believe personal is free uh they've also increased the revenue cap you can make on a game made with universe uh, U- unity personal to $200,000
0: yeah and they're um, getting ridding, uh i think they're getting rid of the made with unity restriction on that too so you don't even need to have that on there anymore
1: yeah um, the fee now will only apply to games that make at least a million dollars in 12 months Um, and I believe is
0: optional I think you can opt in for a 2.5% rev share or- yes
1: yes so that's I guess that's probably the actual biggest change here is that now if you even are subject to this at all you can just choose a flat 2.5% revenue share or you can go with this oh and the other thing is it's no longer install based it's just like sales based And it's
0: self-reported numbers, uh, both on revenue and on, um, the, the kind of install numbers here, which again, I don't know how that stuff actually works, like how you self-report those things. I mean, I can understand the self-reporting of revenue because you're probably reporting that to some government agency. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, again, not a developer, but it seems like on the unreal to unity side this is still complicated but kind of in line with how unreal has their fee structures right and and more similar but man you don't want to you don't want to get on the boat and have that thing get shaken up while you're mid-development right that's no. scary
2: and again i i as much as this walk back seems like it is taking care of what a lot of the concerns were I'm wondering if maybe the damage is just too far done at this point. Like, people that have already decided I'm moving somewhere else, like, is this going to be the thing that brings them back?
1: Probably not. I mean, no. I, I, I would never say the damage is permanent, but it feels like a years-long process of convincing yeah. people who have been spooked by this to actually trust them again. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, aside from the part where you need to have great and competitive software and tools right like unity itself needs to maintain that it is a very good piece of software mm-hmm. and the agreements i don't know if you have to do what kind of make good you have to do but come the next project i could see a lot of people looking into other stuff to just get away from this because yeah. of the drama i mean i'm sure a lot of developers were sweating bullets over this thing and in real in real kind of existential ways you know of like hey is this going to affect my project? We saw some of the immediate stuff that came back of developers saying they're immediately or they're gonna pull their games down if this goes up or whatever. so i I don't know again, not my world. It's for the developers to really figure out. But from the outside looking in, the, the like collateral damage seems rough,
1: yeah, it's it's bad. you know, I'm not gonna say this is a good thing for developers to have make them pay more than they would have previously like it's not good it's just dramatically better yes um you got anchored brad you got anchored in obviously unity's got to make money is it game developers problem that unity spent so much on acquisitions and thought that the free money train was going to last forever and now they've got a hole to dig themselves out of i don't know yeah we'll
0: see and we'll see what happens with There's still some question, right, with putting up their terms of service and and kind of uh, their ongoing agreements like they up and down. What is what is the clarity on this stuff? Can will they put up a thing that says they won't do this in the future to to put up um, barriers of trust? So we'll see as that stuff develops.
1: They they, they seem to realize how bad they fucked up. Like, I don't I don't think the most corporate the, the most out of touch corporate executive could miss how bad this is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. frankly mm-hmm. granted granted like Hollywood has given us some pretty f- profound examples of corporate executives missing how bad things are yeah. recently
2: yeah but you but, know what it seems like they're starting but, to figure
1: it out <laughs> but but um and this particular I mean I've never seen a backlash like this before like they well, have to know <laughs> they have to they have to very acutely know how bad this was Um, good for um,
0: good for people pushing back where they should yeah. Um, because it's, sh- it also shows you what companies would like to like to get away with if they could. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like th- really the crux of this is just, Hey, they're giving people ch- a chance to avoid this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Giving people time to realize, okay, if I make a game with that next version of unity, I am potentially going to be subject to this, but not midstream on a game I've already sunk three years into. Yes. Like I'll, I'll be curious to see if megacrit crit goes through with their plan to rebase on something other than unity for their next game. Now that this has changed, yeah,
0: I For think example, this is this is probably a story that's still about five years out to see what happens to Unity's revenue on the next batch of projects. Right after this one is released,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, one through line I saw on Twitter from a lot of developers as all this crap has been happening is that they were they like working with the tools, like they like working mm-hmm. with the engine. You know, like there's a lot of people who learned on on Unity and rely on aspects of it and are very used to it. And like, you know, I didn't, I don't. I don't really see anybody complaining about the tech. It's all about the policy. So I'm sure there are some people who would like to stick with what they know and find useful if they can.
0: Totally. Like, it seems like a nightmare to switch switch uh, horses mid-race, I guess, is maybe a way to say it. You I don't,
2: don't change horses midstream. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Horses, terrible swimmers. Um, that's the Unity News. I'm sure we'll be talking more about that in the coming uh, – years let's say uh brad the platinum news
1: Mm -hmm. what's going on over there more shake um quite simply hideki kamiya is leaving platinum games um in like two weeks three weeks
0: this sounds like a decision from what i could tell from looking into this that is not based on kind of a you know not getting pushed out or anything like that no no, no What we could tell but I mean, he says
2: something to the effect of, you know, based on my personal beliefs or something along those lines is, yeah. you know, it's time for me to go, basically.
1: Yeah, of course that, you know, Platinum took Tencent investment some two, three years ago so that I got a bunch of people whipped into a frenzy of like, oh, is Tencent applying too much pressure? Do you have to leave to do your own thing now or something like that? But that's, that's all just internet hand-wringing and speculation. There's no yeah. sign of that. I mean... I guess the thing we can say, though, is the Platinum's output has been a bit spotty the last mm-hmm. mm, two, three years.
2: That's what I was going to point to, yeah.
1: Like, Bayonetta 3 seemed like it was well-received, but didn't light the world on fire. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, it was good. I, I think so, Bayonetta 3 w- did turn out well. It just did not necessarily hook me the way the first two did.
1: Yeah, also, it took forever to come out. Yeah. Um. God. Was it Babylon's Fall? Is that, the game? that was the one that oh, really,
2: really did like, not take off at all. Like,
1: like that was a pretty much unmitigated disaster <laughs> on their part. Um, but I'm not sure what else they've even done in the last couple, three years. Those
2: are kind of the two biggest examples of things they've put out in the last several years.
1: Yeah. Um, I forgot looking at Platinum. I forgot that Shinji Mikami was one of the founders of that company because he's since gone on and founded and then sold another company. Yep. And left it. It has been oh. some time.
2: Uh, I don't think perf- I
0: that no that, that wasn't familiar to me until you just said it.
1: Um granted I also forgot how Platinum's been around since 2006. That's actually way longer than I realized. Um it's like right after RE4 shipped they got out of there. Or actually right after the Capcom Capcom 7, right? Mhm. Like they most most of them were involved in Capcom 7 stuff and then they all got out of there and started Platinum.
0: Uh Platinum. This article on um, game industry biz says that I, maybe I just forgot about this. That they had opened a new studio in the last couple of years to do a follow up to Beautiful Joe and Wonderful One Hundred and One.
2: I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I don't remember I that at all that Maybe it could have happened and just slipped under okay. my my radar, but I truly do not remember that.
1: That sounds like vaguely familiar. Did you say it's a new studio, like a spinoff or something?
2: Uh, Opened up a secondary studio.
1: Oh, second studio.
0: Yeah, or okay. it's yeah, a, new, it, a new Tokyo studio is the language. That 80s. makes
1: sense. I mean, yeah, that's, I, that's the kind of thing you would do if you took money from an outside party for sure. Um, uh, We're opening oh,
0: a hundred person studio in Tokyo and we're going oh, to be recruiting. Oh, they also
1: now, Canada. as of last November, they now also have Platinum Games Fukuoka. Okay. So they have three studios. Huh. Uh, well, anyway, I... Do I find Kamiya to be a to be an entertaining dude, at yeah. least on Twitter. Like, um,
2: I don't know. I always felt like his brusqueness and his unpleasantness was sort of like, it's funny to a point, but there's also <laughs> like a degree of, you're literally just an antisocial person. And believe me, I'm an antisocial person too, but maybe don't make it like the whole of your personality. I don't know. I did,
1: I did end up unfollowing him after a while because it was kind of intense. It's just too much. Mm. Um I will maintain that that photo of a young Kamiya in motorcycle gear mm-hmm. is maybe the coolest photo of a game developer that's ever been taken.
0: Wow, wow! I think Bold Kojima statements. is here to here to argue with you because that guy's got some cool photos of himself too.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they're uh, this cool though. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, presumably, he would continue making games.
2: Oh, I'm sure he will somewhere. I don't know what he's planning on doing, but I don't think that guy is, sounds like he's trying to get out of games entirely.
1: I feel this outcome is for the best. I will continue to create in my Hideki Kamiya way. Yes, <laughs> and we know what that way is. That's pretty funny.
2: That's
0: okay. Um, uh, so we'll see what happens both with Platinum and with Kamiya. Mm-hmm. The, as things yeah, like what,
1: what the future of that studio is is certainly an open question.
0: Microsoft is going to acquire him. It's just him um, as the person. Just
2: put him in a room by himself, let him make stuff, not having to deal with other people.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or to say he's making stuff. Yeah. Um speaking of making stuff, Brad Shoemaker, uh apparently they're making more of that Star Wars Jedi. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is that the that's the franchise name, Star Wars Jedi? Yes. Okay.
1: That always stood out to me when Fall On Fallen Order came out. Everybody called it Fallen Order. Or Jedi Fallen Order
0: and that's <laughs> Star Wars just quietly
1: the whole time. I'm just like head in my hands. <laughs> you realize what the branding of this franchise is, right? It's Star Wars colon Jedi, Star <laughs> colon Wars Jedi. whatever. Uh, um, I guess Cameron Monaghan said at what was that Comic Con? Oh wait, different Ocala Comic Con. There are a lot of Comic Cons. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said in a panel they are in the middle of working on the third game now. Surprise! So, just in case you were wondering if there would be more of that or not.
2: I have to imagine that game was greenlit even before that second one came out. And probably the only right, thing actually. that would have stopped that thing in its tracks was that thing fully tanking, which it obviously yeah,
1: did not. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I actually, I, I think it did do quite well or well enough to put out press releases, right? I, I think?
2: think it did. I think it's doing better than the first one did if I'm not 100% okay. wrong, no. but I, th- I think that's the case.
1: First game did very well, so yeah. I'm sure this is also doing extremely well. I missed, apparently, Stig Asmussen is leaving Respawn or left already. That oh, interesting. That apparently just happened recently. So, or,
0: according to that story, it was right after that um, panel with... Um, oh, they announced it at Long the same hair. panel? Uh, uh, I think it's a panel right after.
1: Okay. Uh, he was the director of, the, of both of those games, for reference. He was, he was the guy that spun up that whole team, as a matter of fact, like years and years ago when they said, hey, we're going to make a Star Wars game. We need to hire. He was the one out there saying, like, hey, we're looking for you if you want to work on the Star Wars game. So he's been kind of the guy on those.
0: Those are good games. I found the second one a little forgettable, like uh, literally forgettable, as in a couple of podcasts ago, couldn't remember if I had even finished it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just like right back to the same problems with Mortal Kombat when you got to go write something new. Yeah. what do you, What do you come up with? Like when they had when they had order 66 to, to trade on. Yeah. They came up, you know, they had, they, they had a good story, but as soon as you got to wait into unknown territory and an established franchise, it's hard.
2: Yeah. Ah,
0: uh, there's still milk order 66. That goes a long way. You would, you would be shocked at how many Jedi survived that order. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that, it feels like I, I get, I'm kind of, I consider myself a star Wars fan, but I, I guess I am not anymore. I'm just like, I can't absorb all the star Wars stuff. But it seems like that is the universe we're in, right? Is the fallout from order sixty six now is like yes. kind of the the main thrust of Star yes. Wars stuff.
1: They just kind of keep doing that.
0: Uh I mean I, look, it was a rough time. I,
1: I get a little frustrated at the back and forth over that sometimes. Like people complain, like, Oh, I guess even more Jedi survive and then people are like, Well, yeah, of course it's a big galaxy or whatever, but like I think that's missing the reason people are complaining. It's not. It's not. Is this plausible in universe that more Jedi could have survived? It's hey, do something else. Mm-hmm. It's like hey, please come up with another idea.
0: Or again, cranky old Star Wars fan here. That's me. But um, I, it was kind of cool when like Luke was the only Jedi out there and he didn't really know what he was doing. Right. Like that was right. like a interesting thing to be like, damn, this this Jedi is amazing in a world where nobody really believes in Jedi anymore and and, yeah. and it doesn't really have all the training and the powers and the and the fun stuff and then the contrast to that which was fun was wow let's look at a time when there were tons of Jedi and like oh that's really this is the height of the Jedi and being in the in-between part is like eh, yeah some I, guess, Jedi. You know, I guess
1: arguably you are kind of undermining that aspect of the story by yeah you're <laughs> like continuing to
0: there are some Jedi and they're kind of powerful because they were at the height of the Jedi, but like there are still some, uh, it's like, not as interesting, not as interesting.
1: Who? I wish I had made note of who said this. A game developer said something on Twitter that really stuck with me the other day. I want to say it was Josh Sawyer, but I could be totally wrong. So I won't necessarily attribute it to him, but it was about taking feedback from people on your work. Uh-huh. And it was in the context of game development in particular, but I guess it's probably applicable broadly. But the idea was, always listen to people when they say there are problems, just don't listen to their solutions. (laughs) Okay. So like if people are complaining about something, you know, it's worth thinking about why that might be a problem for people. Just don't necessarily listen to the why or the, what to do about it from. Gotcha.
0: I, uh, I had a similar, uh, uh, producer who said, um, give them what they want, not what they think they want.
1: Yes. There's Uh, that's also, I mean, that's kind of the Steve jobs classic, right? Tell people what don't, don't give people what they want, tell them what they want. Tell yeah. You know, in this context, though, it makes me think about the Jedi thing of like, you know, if a lot of people are complaining that you keep doing this, another Jedi survived this thing, Mm -hmm. like maybe don't listen to what they want to do with it or whatever. But like, you know, maybe like there might be something there, you know, it might be, it might be worth thinking about or people getting burned out on this, on this device multiverse time. Oh God. I mean, they've been dabbling with it. Oh. Star Wars has in, in like very like third order, like animated series type stuff, like not in the main, certainly not in movies yet. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that the, isn't that the star Wars? Isn't that the world between worlds? Stop. I don't know. I believe is the, is where multiverse is creeping into star Wars.
0: I, my brother said again, I, could I don't be wrong. I don't they're they're like pushing out past the frontier or whatever at this point in some Star Wars stuff, past the like um explored parts of the galaxy. I ca again, I stopped uh tracking clocking Star Wars stuff. Um the only thing I care about in Star Wars is that uh the Cantina band is out there playing their fine fine music, uh, and keeping the fine art of Jizz alive. So mm-hmm. That's as long as they don't go and change that, I'll be a happy jizmeister here
2: at home. You can't say shit like that, man. That's uh, what
1: can you, maybe you can't say it, but can you type it into a Patreon post form?
2: <laughs> I don't know. If be, I, I don't know, but I sense you're about to
1: should, uh, should a happy jizmeister be the first title of a podcast that we <laughs> post to our new podcast host.
2: <laughs> um,
0: you yeah, look, Jizz is all about them. <laughs> do you? Don't play. You have right? to stop saying it, man.
2: You just have to. Well, Brad, man, why thought, am I? Thought, I why am gonna I let Alex something?
1: take this one? Because he seems very uncomfortable with it. I thought. I thought he would be all about talking about jizz music.
2: Uh huh. No, I'm all for talking about jizz. I'm not all for about talking about jizz music. Oh, I, I don't see. like jizz music. I don't think jizz music is cool. Jizz, you know, like, on the other hand, is fine. We can talk about that all day.
1: You know, like, do like, dude, do some jizz hands once in a while. No. Yeah.
2: Well. Put up those
0: jizz hands. Let's see him. You did it. There. You Thank you, Alex. You got to pay for that. Um, I, I look, I'm not going to say I was even aware of this until this story, but I did not know the, the music genre in, um, the, wait, really? The you didn't oh, know that? Oh, wait, you didn't no, even know it all? I, I don't think I did. I mean, if I did, I feel like I would have remembered.
1: Oh man. You, I'm like the least of-
2: star Wars guy on this trio. And I feel like I've known that for
1: centuries. Mm. You've never, you've never heard of a jizz whaler.
2: I have never heard of a jizz whaler. Well, I have, but it's probably not the one you're talking about.
0: Um. Yeah. Exactly. i you have to stay up real late on Cinemax to get the should jizz whalers.
1: Should I refer to Wikipedia? Sure. Yeah. Should I should I refer to the Wook? Yeah. On this so was what what the Wook? What's have the to Wook say? got? Wow, it's only like a two line entry in the database. A jizz whaler was a musician who specialized in playing jizz songs. Great. Max Rebo and his band often played popular jizz whaler standards.
0: That's great. Mm.
1: That's it. That's all I got for you.
0: So the story you he- pulled here, Brad, is that
1: apparently. The reason we're to keep saying
0: jizz. Uh-huh. I, uh, I don't a, know why
1: I put this in here. Because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, this short story
0: collection from a certain point of view, colon, Return of the Jedi. Is that really the collection name? Uh. There's a line that's, should I just read the line? Yes. Sure. Please um, do. Uh, It involves, uh, I'm I'm quoting this uh, article from the AV Club here, the tale involves Rebo flashing back to improvising a new tune unlike, quote, one of any number of JATS standards he knew by heart. JATS standards. Is that any better than Jizz? Because I feel like I could just start using JATS in place of Jizz in my life and be totally fine. Everybody would know exactly what I mean.
1: They'll know what you mean.
0: Yes. Yeah, I came I, home
2: and there was jats just all over the place. I'm going to say this. As long as Disney was in charge of Star Wars, this was always a threat to happen. There was okay. always going a chance that they would, someone would notice and say, no, we can't do that. So I was not totally blindsided by this, but I am unhappy about it.
1: Fair. They're undermining George Lucas's creative vision. Yeah. Do you think George knew? I thought he came up with it, but maybe not cuz well, no, it I'm seems saying like it. He came up
2: with it, but do you think he
1: knew? Oh. Oh, d- oh I, that is a much that is a much richer and deeper question. <laughs>
0: I'm yeah. going to say Lucas was like, uh, it's like jazz but just change a letter. That's like that feels very Lucas yes. to me. Yes. Like, yeah, not going for like didn't know about the kind of um the whole uh, outsider bigger world of jizz, and just was like I'm so la- I I don't care. I'm so lazy. Yes.
1: We'll just say jazz. You know, he could have he could have called it Jaws or Jez or jazz.
0: Jaws 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 would have worked. Or, I, p- or like Plunk Rock. You
1: know, like yeah. Could have put I any like other vowel in there.
2: The first time someone actually explained to George why that is in any way a double entendre, he would just he would have just stared blankly and said, "I just thought it sounded like jazz."
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: I just thought. It's I just changed the letter in jazz. I don't I don't know what you're saying. This is he, upsetting to me. <laughs> this is my George Lucas. It's not very good. This is how I imagine George Lucas talking in a conversation.
0: Okay. I immediately imagine somebody going, uh, George, I gotta talk to you about this. Just problem and him being like, What? And then explaining and him immediately crossing seven other things off a list that's like well, I guess Jizz Vader is gone, and uh, mm-hmm. you know Darth Jizz. Uh, you know, like this is this is very this gives, disturbing.
1: This gives new meaning to the phrase Darth Icky.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, I could still we could still use Darth Spunk, right? And be like, no, George, George. I
2: think the, the Jizz standards are arguably lower than they should be. <laughs>
0: I uh, used to trade uh, against the jizz standard. Uh-huh. It's, it's tough. T-
2: tough times out there, Mama. Ron Paul's out there talking about making sure we return to the jizz standard. <laughs> tough times, Daddy. Uh, uh, hard times. Hard
0: times. Sorry, and I'm getting my. I'm jizzing yeah, get up all it right, my. right, okay? I'm jizzing up all my wrestler yeah. <laughs> references here. Really jets that one up. Really jizzing up the works. Uh, anyway, is there room in the universe for jets and jizz? Not anymore.
2: There can only be one. What a... I know where my vote lies <laughs> I kind of like the word Jets I, I want
0: Jets to just Become something even well, like More just, uh, it just sounds like You're talking about the
2: New York Jets <laughs>
0: <laughs> Meet the Jets
2: Yeah yep okay. they still suck even Thousands and thousands of years in the future um, Anyway That's the news jets Just
1: trying to get Things back on track I put that picture of Kamiya In slack Oh God it's so a good, good. photo just so we can stop talking about this other subject.
0: Um, that picture makes me want to jazz. You heard me. I heard you. That photo looks like it is um that photo looks like it was made in AI. Somebody <laughs> somebody took him and then was like, "Give me a cool photo from the 50s or 60s uh, with this person.
2: Draw me a ba- a guy who is the first person you beat up in a yakuza game." <laughs>
0: Slash imagine the first person you beat up. Uh, Photorealistic, 1960s, Mm -hmm. uh, cool, 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 coolest jacket you've ever seen. Cool. All right, that's going to do it for the news, folks. Um, I hopefully got something out of that, something worth uh, 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 talking to your friends about at the old water cooler, Uh, whether it be Unity, whether it be Kami's jacket, or Star Wars Jizz. not going to stop saying it. Nor should you. We've got a podcast and then we have an email and those two things come together for podcast emails, podcast at nextlander.com, podcast at nextlander.com. Say it the third time, podcast at nextlander.com. Send them in, get your questions in there. We're going to scoop them up. We're going to go through those questions, take a look at them and we're going to do it on another episode. This one's running a little long here, so we're going to um, save those emails for another episode. So send them in. We'll put them in a little bag. That's where we look at them. Little email bag. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff going on. Not the least of which is hard boiled happening on the Watchcast. It uh, happened. We did it. You should go check that out. That is up this week over on the Patreon. And then we are moving into our month of horrors and spooky stuff uh, with uh, Ghost Watch going up next week. And Alex. Um, do you have the schedule up for the October month?
2: Not yet, but it will be on the Patreon before this week is up.
0: What uh what are some things that you can mention to the folks there because we I'll just say it.
2: I'll yeah. say what we're doing. Because yeah. we have, we, are, we have other foreign horn fi- horror films, foreign horror. There we go. I said uh-huh, it right. Uh-huh. Uh, on the uh on the docket and our films include the original Suspiria from Italy, uh The Baba Duke from Australia. <laughs> Uh we have uh train to Busan from Korea. And then we also have uh for you, Vinny, Haosu from Japan.
0: Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh those sound like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Ghost Watch uh,
2: yeah. as well.
0: It's and cool Hard thing. Boiled. Look, you should go check out the watchcast. Even if you didn't watch it, just listen to it. It's a yeah. heck of a thing. You
2: can hear the horrible dub for, for
0: hard boiled, which is not good. <laughs> I didn't even switch. I never switched over to the dub. You right? should. It, it was a bad okay. dub. Um, that is, uh, like I said, hard boiled up on the Patreon. Now next week will be Ghost Watch, and then continuing on with the October month of horrors. And who knows where we'll be in November? Sounds like the WGA is off strike now officially. Is that right?
2: They have all the voting bodies have voted to ratify the contract. It does not sound like it has officially gone into effect yet, but the strike ends. I, it, either it has ended or is about to end, and now it is up to SAG-AFTRA to negotiate their deal, uh, and also the SAG voice actors who are currently negotiating with the uh, the video game companies.
0: So, best of luck to everyone involved there, and to if you're in the, either of those unions, uh, Godspeed, and hopefully you
2: get what you need. It sounds like they got pretty much everything they asked for by and large right. so it it, you know when they they, they announced that they said it is an extraordinary deal and I don't feel like they would have said that if it wasn't the case
0: great good uh and maybe maybe by the end of the year I'll find out what the hell happened to Agent
2: Cooper I think as long as we start by November we should be fine great we'll see how that F- goes fingers
0: fingers crossed yeah uh So that is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, um, you can check out those things. Like I said, over on the Patreon, never been a better podcast, big fun one up there. Now you can go through our, you know, we hit the major podcast points, pornography, food, all those things that you have to hit when you have a podcast. Uh, you got the watch cast up there now, ramble cast up there now. We'll have planoramas. We're going to have a patron's choice coming up at the end of this week. So you can go vote over on patreon.com slash nextlander. You'll find a tier that's right for you over there. And that's where we got the majority, the lion's share of our support. So thank you, everybody there. There is one tier, though, on the Patreon that gets their names read on this here show. And Alex Navarro should do the honors of reading
2: this week's Mysterious Benefactors. I most certainly can. This week's Mysterious Benefactors are Ryan Waterman, RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Infelicitous Rips, Kelly F, Brian Lussier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deirdre but with rad cyber parts and a sick coat, Gary Pejski, Robert Fisher, John McGinnis, Bunny Fiend, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn. Jad Rita. Statics. Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane. Razgriz Two, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax. Andrew Teepkin. Alex Wu. It Me JP. Matt Clements Jr.. Edward Chick. Andrew Slosky. Steve Lynn, Matthew Harrig. David Campos, and Tyler Treese. And a very special thanks to
0: all of our mysterious benefactors, and a special thanks to everyone who has gone over to patreon.com slash nextlander and supported us. Everyone who's watched us over on YouTube and Twitch and listened to this fine podcast. We're actually switching podcast hosting. So if there's anything funky going on, hopefully not. Hopefully it's a seamless transition. But if there's anything funky going on, funking, funking going mm. on, uh, our apologies, and hopefully that'll all be smooth over. Uh, and, and go away, vanish. Good news though, is, uh, uh, as we switch podcast, hope, oh, boy, I gotta learn to speak again. As we switch podcast hosts, uh, we'll be doing our ads a little bit differently and that might resolve some of the shifting around of the markers with the dynamic ads. So, uh, going forward, um, we'll see how that works out, but the, the markers might be locked in, which I know for those folks who have the ads can be an issue. We got a bunch of other stuff up this week. Remnants continues. We are trucking along. Man, we made some progress in Remnant 2 mm-hmm. uh, on Monday. Uh, Brad, do you think we're going to beat it? I hope so. I hope so, too. I want to see the rest of that game. Yeah. Uh, we're cruising. And I'm enjoying it. Um, we got a grab bag going on this week. And like I said before, we got a patron's choice coming up on a Friday. A bunch of fun things up on the patron choice poll. Uh, Brad, what's up there now?
1: Um... I was actually just planning to look and see where we're at with that one. It had three votes when we started. Great.
0: Um, it's a long podcast. Plenty of time to wow. vote. Wow. Wow. Okay.
1: What? Okay. Isle Tide Hotel has 74% of the vote.
0: Isle Tide Hotel. I did put in the upcoming notes. I, do, I maybe pushed people to go vote for Isle Tide.
2: That's a little... <laughs> I'm gonna be real, I'm not gonna be mad if that's the thing that wins.
1: The thing that blows my mind though is that Escape from Tarkov is in third. What? I thought people would want to see me suffer.
0: I could look, I don't want to see you suffer, but if you enjoy suffering, I want, I want you to. You know,
1: like, Tarkov has a certain reputation.
0: Yeah. Yes. Only those weird jets sickos oh. love Tarkov. Yeah,
1: yeah, nah, you know, maybe its reputation has not spread far and <laughs> wide.
0: Ah, look, we can come back to these things. Uh, True. Alright, so you can go vote over at Patreon.com. next Nextlander. Alex Navarro, thank you very much. Thank you. Brad Shoemaker, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. You can bank on it. See you, everybody. Bye.